let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and the dark nights are very much drawing in, and I think some of the beers that we're going to be featuring this week are very much reflective of that. I think they are too. I think we were definitely influenced by the weather. That's very much so, but also by a question that was posed to us uh, quite a while back now uh, by Roland Glue at Has Been New Boy, who is one third of Steve and Roland's beer podcast. Yeah, they need to find a way to fit Gary into the title, don't they? They, they do, because he's doing more and more. Yeah, he's that, as, well, he does them on his own now. Yeah, um, but Roland asked us... Um, if we could do a question or a show that was around beers that we admire or that are admired versus beers that those that those you enjoy, just yeah. like, I suppose, just so are also revered rare beers. Yeah. Are are they actually any good? Well, that's that's how we interpreted that, yeah. and I, I don't know whether I don't know if maybe Roland wanted us to take some of the world's most revered beers and put them up against cans of Punk IPA from the supermarket or, well, I mean that's what Brewdog have been doing anyway oh no sorry they were doing it against not so revered yes, beers yeah so we've got six uh, we've got six beers and there's quite a bit of beer and quite a bit of ABV to be honest Steve yeah and the, the one that you've just opened is got is live very excited yeah um, and we're, but we've also got um, a bit of a range of styles as well so certainly this first one that we're tucking into it's a farmhouse owl. Yeah, it? so this is from uh, the first one is from Jester King, so enigmatic tax taxa. So this is six point nine percent. So this is from brewed and bottled in Austin, and uh, a collaboration with their friends at Perennial Artisan Owls. It is inspired by their first beer, an American hopped interpretation of a West Flanders pale ale or Hommel beer. So. I'm not sure I've pulled you some. That sounds like a very, even for my Belgian adverse palate, that sounds like quite an exciting combination of beers that they've brewed here. Yeah, I think this is probably still the only, I've had this once before, and I think it's still the only Jester King beer I've had. Oh. But I know of. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, see, now I really like that nose. Now, see, I reckon you like that nose, because although it has got that little bit of Belgian funk on the nose... It's been offset by a bit of hops there. There's on as loads well. of citrus in that as well, isn't there? There's just loads of it. Oh, that's really tasty. Not a bad interpretation, is it? That is, that is really nice. That's it's it's light. You get kind of this sharp citrus, almost lemony fruits all around the edge of your tongue, all around the edge of your mouth, and then you get a bitterness wash over it the bitterness of dryness at the end is lovely yeah yeah um so yeah so i i to continue what they've written here the interpretation continues in this beer with an overnight rest in our cool ship with texas grapefruit and oak foda fooda fermentation unfiltered unpasteurized and 100 percent naturally conditioned well carbonation wise it's spot on that is a properly tasty beer that is delicious that's a great start uh, to the that, show and, and also that dryness at the end is yeah that just the, the dryness just carries on actually i mean if, if you think about kind of the modern trend of the brute ipa yeah 
That's almost what I would have expected it to be like. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's the finish that they're going for yeah. in some of those beers is to try and get that dryness. But but yeah, it, it hits you it hits you right well all the way across your tongue. But then for me, it's just getting me the, uh, just at the top of my mouth as well, just at the back. It's just properly drying. And I'm out. still getting that that now that we know it's grapefruit. I'm still getting that that real big citrus hit as well. Still, yeah, that's there. It's almost like I've got a, some sort of citrus board sweet in my mouth still. I think it's absolutely delicious. So for me, that's the, re- the reason why I chose that one. I had tried it before, but because Jess the King do have a fantastic reputation. Yeah. No, that is an absolutely phenomenal start to the show. Um, that is a that is if if that's where we're starting, I'm very excited at the journey that we've got laid out. It's not a bad opening, is it? It's yeah. definitely not a bad opening. Yeah. So let's um let's dive into uh, Beery Adventures. Uh, what have you been up to, mate? Right, there's no point starting me, is there, Steve? Come on. <laughs> Steve, where did you go to recently? I went, In case no one knows. I went back to Indie Man. Um, I've got to say, I don't think I actually shouted about it that, that much, uh, to, to be fair. I would say on the run-up to it, yes. On the day after, I would say about beer number two, there was silence. <laughs> I think I think that was because I made a conscious decision that I was just going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so let's let, let's go over all the things that people normally talk about when it comes to indie man. So go on. The, the venue go on. is tick still still fantastic, um, and they're they're learning year on year. So the the utilization of the outside space now has got even better than it was the oh, last really? time I went. So you know when you, you kind of go outside, you've got that backyard area. Yeah. Um, so now if you're going out of um, what is the dark pool, yeah. you now go into what is almost straight away a covered area that, 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 they've, oh, that okay. they've got out, and then you're, you're straight into a, a first marquee. Okay, that's which, new. Which was where... Well, new from when I was there two yeah, years ago. Wild Beer were hosting that one. Right, okay. And then you come out of that one, and then you've got all the food vendors in a small outside area, and then there's a massive marquee at the other end, which is like almost an indoor seating area, if you want to go, and that's where beer merchants had their pop-up shop. Okay, and that, so but that's well. where the food used to be, wasn't it? Yeah. Because that used to come out of the very bright side of the, the pool area yeah. to the food, wasn't it? So, so they've utilised the outside space even better. They've found uh, another space outside that's big enough to put more toilets in as, as well. So can, that can that can never be a bad thing. Didn't seem to queue as much for the toilets this year, which which was great. Um, the the only the only downside of the queuing situation that I say, I mean, we got there uh, fairly late. We, we we walked down from Manchester Station, so we got there about 20 to 11, which meant we were round the back of the building when, when the queue started. Because this year was opening at 11? It was when we've been half before, an hour earlier. It was yeah. half, an, half 11 to half four. Was it 11 yeah. to four this year? Yeah. Um, so it took us about half an hour to get in once the doors had opened. So we'd missed half an hour. And we then had another probably five, ten minute wait for tokens. Now, I don't know whether there's potential in the future. I, I don't understand why they couldn't do a, a pre-sale of some tokens with your tickets. You could buy a ticket and token option where you'd almost go in and you'd go to a different table where you had the glass and you had like ten tokens or whatever already in the glass. Did they not come around the queue? No. I don't know if they did at the front, but they certainly didn't get to the back of the queue. Uh, they, they sorted our ticket out in the queue, so we had our wristbands and we just walked straight in. But it took a long time. So we essentially lost 
40 minutes of the session in, in, mm. in queuing to get in. Out of five hours. Which is two beers, maybe. Well, it's about almost 20% yeah. of the time. Okay, that, yeah. I mean, that's unfortunate. So the, that's the one downside, but everything what, what, else... Once in there? Plus, 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 plus. The, the, the rooms were just as, as great as they always were. The, the venue is just an amazing venue. Uh, the way they use the space, the way they use all the little side rooms and everything. Um, the, the room that Stone Brewing were occupying was just beautifully laid out. It was light and airy and there was seating in there and it was... It was just, it was great to be back there and, and to be in that. And again, it never felt overcrowded or too busy. You, you could always pretty much get to a bar straight away. I have to admit, the two times I've been, and they've both been Saturdays, I, that was the one thing, right? You queue for certain things, and obviously there is a queue developed outside, um, but in the actual venue itself, it's never felt packed. No. Busy atmospheric lots going on but I've never felt that I have to sort of almost do that thing where you scrunch up your shoulders kind of thing and feel like you're permanently in the way that's never how it's felt to me no and it didn't feel like that again there was plenty of room to move around in there that's good so okay so next question beers beers so so what did you go let's, all right what did you go for first um went straight to stone brewing to try the fellowship ipa which is the uh, collaboration that stone did with north brewing co magic rock buxton and indie man uh for all intents and purposes it's a not so much a blend but it's using key ingredients from each of those breweries flagship ipas so it was Stone IPA, it was North Brewing Co's Transmission, it was Magic Rock Cannonball, and it was Buxton's Axe Edge. So. Which I'm pretty certain we talked briefly about on the last show, and were quite excited about we, it. We were, and we were sent a can as, as well, which we... Had as a warm-up beer tonight. We had as a warm-up beer tonight. Loved um, it. I put it out there, loved it. It was just, it was the perfect start to, to the day. It was yeah. exactly where I needed to. It's about 6.8%. Yeah. Uh, Despite what Untapped says, Untapped has it down as a New England IPA. I would disagree and no. say it's it's a proper West Coast IPA. Yeah, it's, it's got the sharpness, it's got the clarity, everything's in balance. No, it's it's. I don't see how you can pitch that as a New England IPA to be honest at all. I'm no. really surprised at that. I mean, there can is a juicy someone? element to it, but it's not that sugary juicy. No, it's not it, that lack of bitterness juicy. It's just that it's juicy, but it's bitter. I'm contacting our moderator. To get that change, yeah, 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 getting that change. No way, it's a New England IPA. But okay. I thought it was really nice. It's a, I like the can design with that silver stone gargoyle in the background, and then the colours. It's almost it's like um, you're going through a true pursuit piece. So from there, the, the next one I tried, and, I, and I'm not going to go through everyone. Um, I'm just going to pick out a few key ones after this. But the next one I tried was uh, one that has been the, the north of the country have been making a lot of noise about this particular beer. So it's from Don Zoco Brewing Company, and it was it's called Northern Hellers. Oh, um, um, they they were featured on. Uh, the Sipping Fall class, weren't Oh, that weren't new they? podcast. Yeah, that new one from yeah. that tall bloke in, uh, yeah. in Geordie Land. And um, they definitely did a feature with them, didn't they? And um, he, he uh, it was came across as really quite an interesting guy, actually, the guy who runs uh, yeah. Don Zoko Brewery, didn't he? So how, yeah. how was the Hells? It was really, really tasty, really drinkable. Just 
perfect example of style. Um, in a third measure, lasted about two sips. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, so where where did you have that during the day? So did it come early at the, on? You had it early on. Yeah, nice yeah, refresher. Yeah, right, right at the start. Wanted it. I, I wanted to, so I wanted to do the start the stone beer first on a on a fresh ish palette because there have been train beers, obviously. Um, and then I wanted something to, to to kind of almost cleanse that away, so I went for for the Northern Hellers. Okay, well, you you in your usual style, you have done a bit of research. I'm going to have a little look at your list and see. Just ask. So you went. There was a brute. So there was an IPA brute from Buxton Intercontinental Brute. What did you What did you think about uh, that one? It was a good example of the style. Yeah. From from Buxton, uh, really juicy, really drinkable, lovely dry finish to it, and the dryness just brings a little bit of that bitterness back at the end of it. As so, well. would that be one of the better ones you've had? Would you say that's one of the ones that you think might be it's, getting it's up there? It's still not the the, the absolute pinnacle of the um of that style in terms of an example that i've had still for me was the the, the marble guillotine that that i tried in in, in the motion tap in chelmsford that's that's the one that's been that's your that's my bench that's your benchmark yeah. okay so um magic rock got a bit of your custom they did get a little bit yeah now one of them i'm very i'm very not surprised about because you were hoping this would be on so strong man yeah american barley wine so happy when i saw it on um, I had one early on as, as well because a little bit of FOMO kicked in that it might actually kick during the session so while it was there I was like I'm going to have one of those and then I finished the session on the second one of, of it as well and it was just it's it's just beautiful it's just in terms of it being an example of a barley wine it, it ticks all of the boxes it's got these big sort of almost oaky dark fruit flavors going on and it's just nice bitterness on the palate on the finish just absolutely perfect but to balance that out you also went for what is a perennial favorite of ours common grounds yeah and it was it was a nitro version of common grounds and i've never been more disappointed in a beer in all of my life because we know what Common Grounds is. We know what we're going to expect. What 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 did the night... Because we've, we've spoken about nitro stouts before. How they, well, for us, lifts and enhances. And your your face is telling me that didn't happen. It, it essentially removed everything that was great about Common Grounds. So what, the avert coffee nose, the, the, the yeah, chocolate roastiness? It was, it was essentially, it essentially became like drinking a very, very weak cold brew coffee. It, it lost all of those deep sort of chocolatey coffee notes that you associate with Common Grounds. It just all gone. No. It just, it just didn't, it really didn't work for me. Daya. Yeah. Read the style out. Yeah, sorry, uh, you, you won't have seen the, the look. I just paused, which you can't tell that I paused. Um, you went for Daya Sour, Sour Farmhouse IPA. Yep. Was this your choice or Clayton's? Um, we were there, we saw it, and we kind of went for it. It was, um, colour-wise, it was bright red. Um, and at the point where we were at in the session... It did exactly what we needed it to do. It was it was tart, it was sharp, and it was an absolute cleanser 
and and it just cleansed the palate um, while being really really enjoyable as well. So it was essentially like drinking a a, a tart fruit smoothie. Oh, okay. I mean, I was surprised to see that one, but I mean, that's I mean, you know, I don't know if there's anything else you want to read off that. It's an impressive mix of beers. Yeah, I, I did try and mix it up a little bit. Um, probably the only other two standouts that that, that really want to mention would be um, Stone had a, a mixture of their Berlin beers and their San Diego beers, and they had um, the latest version of their Enjoy By on, which was Enjoy By ten thirty one eighteen, um, or in English the thirty first of October. Um, and that was obviously that's big imperial double IPI of theirs. Was it exactly as you expected it, was, it to be? It was exactly kind of reminded you of when Brewdog used to nail the Born to Die. Yeah, series. It was it was that it was that good. Um, and and then the other one, just uh, probably worthy of a mention, um, was the um, Imperial Stout from Burning Sky. Which was just kind of their their standard imperial stout. I had a little bit of that Belgiany characteristic to it, kind of almost like a subtle Flanders red thing going on in the background of it, and that just went down an absolute treat. That was really really light, really really easy. Train beer wise, I tried uh, quite a few of the McKellar beers that were available in Marks and Spencer. Now they're all solid. That they are as solid as anything. They're just so easy to drink. They're that they've just been done really, really well. And it it was just the kind of that moment of realization. Sat on the train on the way home that I'm drinking a a, a McKellar beer from a can on a train from a supermarket. From a supermarket. Who, if you told me that even three years ago, you would have would have laughed. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't put any money on it, would you? No. So, despite. My best efforts were always making everything about me, um, and having had such a great time going back to Indie Man, you must have done some stuff since the last show as well, mate. Yeah, I, well, uh, the, the main thing I did, um, so that weekend I didn't do too much, but the following weekend, so the weekend just gone from when we are recording, um, Four Pure in Bermondsey in London held their fifth birthday party. Now, I got quite excited about this for two reasons. One, I've always been a big fan of Four Pure. And two, there was no engineering works on the trains for the whole weekend. So everything just uh, fell into place then? Yeah, because now I don't buy anything in advance if I know that there's going to be trains or suspect there's going to be a rail replacement service. I mean, so me and Michelle bought these tickets a little while ago. So basically for £10 each, you uh, get an in- a drink when you first turn up. Then you sign up for a tasting slot. You get to try five uh, new beers. And you get a beanie hat as well for tenner. Oh, that wasn't bad. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought just for the beers alone. Yeah. Um, on the way there, just in front of us was, um, and I, w- I will remember his day one, name one day, but the Brigadier, as he's known, as he's known, um, or Greyhound One, and I'll let any Doctor Who fans who are really geeky look that one up. Um, and his friend, who is on Untapped, called the Master. <laughs> so guess guess how guess how the conversation turned out for a little while on that, on that one. Uh, we even threw in a bit of Blake Seven at one point. So they were ju- literally just in front of us, and they turned around going, well, "I'm sure I recognise that voice." <laughs> um, so the the brigadier had obviously joined us on the uh, Sheffield beer crawl last year. So we did have a bit of a laugh about that. So he can't really remember the Rutland Arms either. So, see, I 
something happened to us as a group. Well, the the the, the, the guy who's the, the master suspects something timey-wimey happened to us. Yeah, I reckon so, because it, it, it's not just me and you. Clayton can't remember it. And now another one. Yeah. So the Four Pure Tap Room has changed a couple of times. So since I was last there, it's changed again. Um, obviously, they have had their influx of cash from Lion. Um, so the tap, the actual tap room space feels a lot nicer. It's a lot bigger. They've got so many more FVs in there now as well. Mm. And um, they've got like a little mezzanine area which holds about 20, 25 people, which is where they hold the tastings. And um, a guy we've met before, Graham, who came to uh, Bottle Share once or twice, he was hosting the tastings, guy from Ireland. So me and Michelle went for the first tasting. I think it's always quite nice getting there early, do the tastings. And um, they had some really nice beers as part of the tasting. So just to name three. So we had Beach Life, which was a sour beer, 5.7%. Sugar Skull, which was a chilli porter. Mm. But really light and subtle on that chilli. And that chilli, you know, sometimes that can be really overpowering on the burn yeah. and the pepperiness. And then you can't really taste anything else afterwards. This was all really nice and balanced. The porter led the chilli spice. I, I don't second. like it when it gets you in the back of the throat. Yeah. And, and especially if you've got any sort of tolerance or lack of tolerance yeah. to heat, you don't want that. Um, but the beer, which especially a few of the uh, our, our cousins from across the pond really like, there was a peanut butter and jelly stout. Oh, wow. Which apparently ticked all of the boxes yeah. as a peanut butter and jelly stout. See, in my head, I just assume when I first about heard about the sandwich peanut butter and jelly I always had in my head peanut butter and jelly as in jelly and ice cream no it's jam isn't yeah. it yeah <laughs> and it's like it's like a grape almost as well it's like and I'm thinking why are you having jelly with it but all three of those beers were really nice there was another two beers as well um, the tap room space was really nice it was a nice warm day they had a DJ there the music was a nice level we stayed, We got there about quarter past 11. I reckon we left about half three. And then we journeyed up the Bermondsey Beer Mile to another couple of places, popped into more. So we'll see what it's like. Yeah. The music was banging. We got there. We had a drink. We left. It was just, I wasn't ready for that at half three in the afternoon. Too loud. It was too loud, too soon, too much. Um, then we paid a visit to the bottle shop. Um, and that was, I, I really do enjoy the bottle shop space. It was nice and relaxed. They've got a whole load of new fridges in there, um, which burned a bit of a hole in Michelle's debit card. And um, then we staggered off home. I said, well, actually, no, we didn't go home. We were leaving drinks to go to in South End, and I drank Cronenberg. <laughs> so after a day of fantastic beer, I drank Cronenberg because that was still the best offering. Um, but yeah, I, it was it was really nice. So um, hi to the brigadier, hi to the master. Me and Michelle had a lovely day with you guys and thank you to the guys at 4Pure for putting on a really good party. It just had all the right balance in numbers, music, tables, the food outside and people who were just doing the Bermondsey Beer Mile were still welcome. You just didn't get any of the, the free beers and the beanie hats and that mm. kind of stuff. So they did make it exclusive in that way. They're clearly letting their experience lead them a little bit now because they've they've been there for a while now yeah. haven't they and they, so, so they obviously they've learned how to do events and by the sounds of it they're clearly doing events very very well at the yeah moment. and i think they they they're going to move they're, there's a question later on from a listener but so i'll expand a bit more i think they've learned how to do it but i think that's 
also where a lot of what they want to do comes from as well in, for publicly public public facing um so yeah i can only thank, thank um everyone down there but we had and the queues weren't too bad at all for the barn that's probably the only thing i would have said if they'd asked me actually they did they sent a survey through the bar space when they had that kind of event is still quite small so even though they got two or three people behind you still get a bit of a queue mm. i reckon that'll change i reckon that bar will get bigger They'll work it out, won't they? Oh, definitely. In, in time, yeah. Definitely. So, any other beers to give a shout out to? Just, um, yeah, just just a few that have, that, that have tried. Um, so, uh, a couple of beers I picked up. Um, well, actually, I think bar one of these, these all came from uh, Beer Central in Sheffield. Um, a new brewery to me, Turning Point Brew Co., who I believe are based in Yorkshire somewhere. They might be up York Way. Um, you have to forgive me on that one. Um, Disco King and Vision Quest. Uh, so Disco King being a Pale Ale and Vision Quest being an IPA, both of them just really, really solid beers. So in, in the now, what seems like standard 440ml can, really colourful labels, um, both really, really easy to drink, full of flavour, full of tropical notes, and were juicy, but without being that sugary, sweet, juicy, they still had a nice bitterness to them, so I really enjoyed the pair of those. Um, Buxton's new version of their Costa Rican coffee extra porter. Ooh. Fucking just so good. That's just, that's that's <laughs> almost the only word I've got for it. That, I mean, that beer was so good year on year. It was absolutely tremendous. It was just, yeah, it was dark, it was thick, it was bitter, but it was so drinkable and so dangerous as well because it's like 7.5%. And... I literally, the night I had it, I literally drank it like it was water. It went so quickly because I was enjoying it so much. I had it really cold as well. That's just a little dangerous. It just worked really, really well. And then the other one that I want to mention is is a beer that was, um, I think it, it was the beer that won the Sheffield Hopcast World Cup of Beers in the summer, which was the Kaiju Aftermath, which is a double IPA. Um, coming in at 8.5% or something like that. I don't think I've ever had a beer with as much bitterness in it as that had. It was from the minute you took your first sip, your mouth was just full of bitterness right the way through to the end, and then it just hung around in, in your mouth. It's just so bitter. And almost off-puttingly so at the start, but persevere with it and your taste buds adapt to it. And it was just it's really, really good. Really enjoyed that one. So they were probably the uh, the standout home beers for me since the last show. Okay, I've got a couple more I want to shout out to you. That gives me quite a nice segue into a beer that made me a bit sad this week. Oh, I saw this. And I, I anticipated we might have a discussion about this. As well, well, I feel compelled to mention it now because um, we got a few axe edges in one of our boxes recently, me and Michelle. And the first one, I think I commented to you that it was nice, wasn't quite ticking that sharpness. I had one the other night, and all of the sharpness and bitterness had gone. I don't know where it went to, and I really hadn't drunk any yeah. anything else really that evening. It was like. Yeah. And I just did a sad emoji. Well, that that's interesting because I, I too had beers from that box. Um, and I too had a couple of bottles of Actage. And I drank them both last night. And the first one tasted like 
axe edge used to take taste it was it was sharp it had that real bitter finish to it but the second one actually tasted like a different beer it was it, it was it had lost that bite at the end of it and it was more juicy and I looked at the bottles and for all intents and purposes it seems like they've come from the same batch and I just couldn't understand what what it was that's maybe changed no um, it was just I know you can say the mind plays the tricks and stuff I'm going to go with there are certain beers which I feel fairly confident about and that one just wasn't ticking the boxes for me um, however on a more positive note and people might be a bit surprised about this next one um, I went be, the last show was also recorded on Thursday because I was going to Holland with work and um, I had been recommended by uh, one of the senior guys at work who obviously we listen to um, but if I like the beers but I'm also interested in the low alcohol non-alcoholic versions try the Heineken 0% so I didn't oh, okay and um, I am going to have to say that whether you are a fan of Heineken or not, the Heineken Zero is almost identical. To the standard Heineken? Yeah, so Heineken comes in about 5%. The Heineken Zero almost... Take, for me, I, I say almost. I'm not sure I would... Have, I knew I'd bought it. So it's really hard to say. And I'd, obviously, I'd been on the plane for a bit. I was on a train journey to the hotel where I was staying. And it was a nice day that... 15 minutes, I think, I reckon I probably drank it about five. And I w- I'm not sure I would have been able to tell the difference. So if you're going by 0% versus the original, it's done a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, very much um, so. It didn't cost too much in one of the supermarkets at the train station either. And then just the last the last one is, um, I think this came in a beer central box, um, part of Michelle Michelle's current addiction, um, from North Riding Brewery, who again, I think might be Yorkshire as well. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like a, a beer central box. Beer. Yeah, um, ice cream porter, chocolate and chocolate and vanilla, four and a half percent. But the flavours and aromas and the mouthfeel all would have ticked the above four and a half percent mark. It's absolutely delicious. Came in a five hundred ml bottle, very very traditional looking bottle, but they've done bags with that beer, and everything was well in balance. That was a real oh, delight. They do some some solid beers at North Riding Brew Co. Yeah, um, I don't I, I don't think I've had many of them before. I've, I've had a few of the beers um, from from Sean before. They've been on a few times at the Owl House as well, so they do a good cask offering. We've both drained our glasses of the Enigmatic Taxa. So, what were your final thoughts on that? Well, bearing in mind it's a seven fifty bottle. We done, we done the whole bottle? Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, well, you know, you were doing quite a bit of talking with Indie Bands. I was carrying on topping up the glasses. Um, obviously, I don't have to listen with, with my mouth, so I was just drinking it. Um, superbly drinkable. And if that was your first introduction to a farmhouse-style ale, I think you'd have a very favourable opinion of them. I'd be more than happy to drink that. Even bearing in mind its style, yeah, I would be very happy to drink that because those f- fresh fruit flavours were delicious, weren't they? Yeah, the dryness and bitterness at the end. I can see if that's a typical example of what can come out of Jester King. I can understand why people rate them so highly. Okay, so in terms of the the, the question that's hanging around tonight, show as a revered beer, as a revered beer, I'm is not, it any good? Uh, as a revered brewery, 
with the beer being put out and that's the only one I've tried, I would have no hesitation at picking up some more beers even if I didn't sample them. Based on that? Based solely on that. I think I think that's a recommendation in itself then, isn't it? If you're willing to part with your cash. Yeah. So next we've got the JW Lee's 2015 Harvest Owl. Which looks like a really tiny bottle <laughs> in comparison is, is to the it, other one. So this, is that even a 350? 275. 275. So this is a, this is what, is this what served their beers in, isn't it? 275? Is it? Yeah, I think, well they used to anyway, they used to be really small bottles. Um, so definitely not a bottle share bottle. <laughs> no, but definitely a podcast share bottle. Exactly. Now, I'll say, I'll say up front and uh, I will say thank you as well. This was sent down to me a couple of years ago by um, Connor Murphy at like the Murphys um, so thanks Connor for, for sending this down he sent this and I think he sent another one as well from a different year so oh really uh, yeah this, okay, is, this cool. is one that I've, I've had squirreled away in the back of my cellar waiting for an occasion um, okay uh, the only thing I'm going to say before we say cheers is it's 11.5% um, oh okay uh, how is this so early on in the evening then whoops cheers <laughs> oh Ooh, it's, it's like a mouthful of straw. Oh, you're not a fan. Oh, just for the benefit of listeners here, this is one of those moments you, you wish we were periscoping. Steve has just pulled the, effectively the equivalent of a sour face. Sour face, yeah. Mm. You don't like that? No, not on that first. Not on that first pour? No. I do like it. Mm. I'm just getting this lovely, lovely sweetness. Oh, no, I'm getting... Maybe a bit of honey, a bit of lemon. I'm getting something in there that's. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting. A, I'm getting like this bitterness from it. Is this, there's there's something in there that you maybe there's one of those ingredients that we've spoken about before that you don't like. Yeah, but I, I can't because I mean I can't think what it'd be for, for all intents and purposes. It's barley wine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see how it develops. Maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's just a bit of a shock after. Well, it's such maybe. a stark contrast to the previous Definitely year. a stark contrast. As, as well. Which felt, is what we've... Basically, the order of events is going to be a stark contrast. I felt like we should have had more of a stepping stone, really. Yeah. really but, you um, mean think about it and prepare? Yeah, rather than just put them in line as to how they look pretty. Yeah. Think. It did look pretty, though. It did look very pretty, yeah. yeah. Um, let's, let's dive into this news, because we've got quite a bit to get through this week. Um, so, it seems to be crowdfunding season. Yeah. Uh, again. I mean, we... we we've, Every time we mention crowdfunding, there's more than one. Yeah. So, um, we mentioned on the last show that we thought Siren were about to start crowdfunding, and they've announced they are. Um, for all intents and purposes, if you... Um, th- this is one of the things that does irk me a little bit about these crowdfunders, is to find out all the information, you have to, have to actually sign up to the website. That annoys the hell out of me. I, d- I just... Give me the information without having to sign up yeah. to the website. You can read a little part of it, and then you have to sign up yeah. or log in. Yeah. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't sign in. Um, but this is essentially to raise money for a canning line. And I think they've got ambitions to it's can, do, do canning up their line, tap room. At- tap room, general expansion. And if they go past their target, then they are looking at um, going for two city centre tap rooms. London? I'm presuming London. My other guess would be Reading or Bristol, because I'm not sure there's much point in them venturing north. I don't think... I'm not sure they've got the appeal north 
much much further north. No, and that's no. That, the, the north is quite a strong place and, at the moment yeah, in terms of beer and also and tap rooms and they are, uh, uh, and everyone who is from the north who listens to the podcast will probably back me up here. You like your beers and you are very proud of your local quality yes, beers. Yeah, and I think Siren are very good at what they do. I just don't see where they would add anything to the north. I, don't, I can't. I really can't see them doing Reading. I only say Reading because, because it's their closest town. Yeah, um, I, I think Bristol. Bristol I think, would I think be they'd fit into that. But then you say that Bristol's got a very strong yeah. scene in terms of lost and grounded, more Arbor, unless they go left-handed giant. Unless they have to take a bit more left field. But let, let's go. Let's just hear about because they're in the. All right, where Finch Hampstead isn't quite commutable, but Reading definitely is. But London would be an obvious one to go yeah. for. Bristol would be another obvious one to go to. But like you say, it's a little bit crowded these days, maybe. But maybe they'd want to be part of that scene. No, I know where. Go on. Birmingham. Siren in Birmingham? Yeah, because yeah, okay. they've, they've already got a link up with... Um, is it the original Patty Men? Burger place, oh, yeah. which I remember when we did that Midlands Ooh. special, they spoke to us about. Okay, I, I think I think they will target the Midlands, and and I think the obvious point for them to go will be to Birmingham. Why not? Can only carry on increasing the exposure that the Midlands are experiencing yeah. recently. Yeah. So that's the first one. Um, next one is Signature Brew, who are looking to raise four hundred thousand pound. Um, basically looking to triple its production and to refine some of their back of house functions. Um, they want to move the site, um, install a new brew house, help them to future proof. So currently they're running at full capacity. Um, they're doing double brew days on their 10 barrel kit. How many pints is that Martin? I don't know, but do we have a handy little tick sheet? So we do have a little cheat sheet. Yeah, we now, do. Don't we? Thanks to Sean at, at Uncrulia. Um, so 10 barrels is 2,840 pints. I can understand that. It's a lot of pints. That's a lot of pints. Yeah. So that's so, so they're doing double brew days at the moment. So um, the, the bulk of this investment will see them buy a new brew house, which will triple their capacity. Um, they're currently spread across, across three trading units, and they want to condense it all into one. Once they've transferred everything, they're looking to bring in a canning line, and then they'll sell the old buildings on. So that's that's the second one if you're looking to invest in breweries. And then the final one, and I expect this is going to be one of those that will fly out when it goes live. I've got no doubt this one will fly out. Um, the announcement that Verdon are going to be crowdfunding uh, as well. And they are essentially um, looking to um, finance a new site in Falmouth where they can quadruple their size. Uh, which means they'll be able to finally satisfy the demand around the for, for their beer around the UK, and while also ensuring that everybody locally who wants a pint of their beer can get one as well. Mm. And they specifically quote light bulb, don't they? Is that point yeah. as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, quadruple. That's, that's an ambitious start, isn't it? I mean, no hanging around there. It is, but come on, they're after Cloudwater, probably one of the most in-demand breweries at the moment. Oh, in the definitely. UK, don't you think, Verdant? Definitely. I mean, that's, I'm quite excited. I mean, while I may or may not personally invest in any of them, I'm excited that all these breweries still feel there's enough people out there interested. Yeah, well, we had, um, and I'm sure you won't mind us saying, that um, Justin Mason, friend, yeah. friend, 
friend of the show, Justin Mason, as, as, as we like to call him, um, mentioned on one of our groups, on, on Bottle Share Group on Twitter today, that he's made an investment into Siren. Yeah. And that's his ninth of the year. Yeah. So I think that just goes to show that the, the, the scope of breweries that are actually, or have crowdfunded this year. Yes. And, and people are still willing to invest time and time yeah, again. There is, there, but it's not just the money. People have a love for these. Yeah. It's the love for these breweries as well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, even just with the early siren investment numbers, judging by the amount invested versus the investors, there's been a few wages being dropped on there. And they're, they're, it seems as though they're going to hit their stretch target quite easily, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean... Um, because again, it's still, Simon's still only kind of almost pre-sale, isn't it? It's for yes. people that registered for early access when they first said they were doing it. Yes. So it's not gone to the wider No, it hasn't gone live as of time yet. of recording. By the time you listen to it, I imagine it will yeah. have. And all the others may have as well. So the fact that there's enough people interested in doing it still... And think there's a market out there for people to part with their hard-earned cash without a guarantee of an immediate return. It's not bad going. There's there's definitely health in that sector, isn't there? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see who goes next. Now, if I mean, what are we coming up for the latter part of October? By the time this is released, you're definitely looking closer to November. I reckon if you're going to do it. It's got to be the first few weeks in November. After that, people start thinking about cash for Christmas yeah. and January. Well, I think you get a break. It's been all of three days since Brewdog's last EFP. I mean, they're probably looking at EFP six already, I reckon. Oh, they've probably sold it by the time this comes out. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honestly, on that, I know I did have a bit of a rant on Twitter about it, but I was getting fed up with seeing messages everywhere about how many days were left on on, on EFP. See, I never, I never noticed them, so... I don't know, maybe I'm more aware of them, but actually, just mentioning that, by all accounts, they've broken all crowdfunding records yeah. with this latest round as well, which is, say what you like about them, that's still a hell of achievement, yeah. of an achievement that people are still investing in And them. there may well be people plonking down big sums on them as well, because they are a business. Yeah. This isn't just about a beer with Brewdog. But there are still lots of people putting down small numbers as well to get those to get to where the tap room at, discounts yeah, yeah. to get the discounts online that kind of stuff people are still interested I know it's a uh, beer eh who would have thought as an investment <laughs> I know I know let's get back to just talking just about beer then so um, Harbour and Guinness now there's a there's two breweries you would never have put in the same sentence no when you sent this through to me I was I had to read it twice I didn't understand really. I didn't. This was not a collaboration I saw coming to fruition at any stage. No. So this is this is Harbour Brewing um, from Cornwall, and it's the Guinness Open Gate Brewery. So it's essentially Guinness's craft arm. Yeah. Um, and Hawksmall, uh, the restaurant chain, um, are collaborating on a series of limited edition beers designed to push the boundaries and highlight beer's versatility as a drink that pairs perfectly with food. So, and this collaboration is going to culminate in a month-long menu takeover at Hawksmere Borough Restaurant um, during November, which is in Borough Market in, in London. Now, basically, it looks like there's been four beers brewed for this. So you've got um, the first one being an aperitif uh, based on flavours of gin and tonic, and infused with herbs and botanicals. Sounds right on my street. Yeah, me too. I might have two. Not so much. 
Um, the second has been created to pair with Hawksmoor's, Hawksmoor's most popular starter of roast scallops with white pork and garlic. Uh, this would normally be paired with a dry white wine, but this beer pairing is with a light lemon verbena saison. Ticking all your boxes so far, Steve. I mean, yeah, this is... Well, we've got gin and saison so far. incredible. This next one is more me. Okay, go on. And the pudding is more me, I'm going to have go. to say. An oak-aged barrel bit, an oak barrel-aged beer with the depth, complexity and tannins of a Rioja will be paired with British ribeye steak main course. The beer will be made with sour cherries and fermented in fooders, large wooden barrels that are most commonly known for wine, in, in winemaking. So that sounds like a match made in heaven, that, that one. That does sound pretty good. Yeah, and then finally, um, a barley wine aged in American oak white wine barrels will be paired with the popular sticky toffee pudding. I mean, that sounds like quite a menu, doesn't it? That sounds like one of those uh, menus or evenings where you wear your stretchy pants. I think so. Now... We will say, we've been invited to one of these tastings, haven't we? We have. You're unsure whether you can go at the moment. I, yeah, I'm, I'm on a 50-50 at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm taking up two chairs. <laughs> you can have both. Yeah. My friend's coming along at the moment, honestly. The, the first two I'm a little bit unsure about, I've got to admit. But I am looking forward to those second two. And I'm, I'm looking forward... I'm actually looking forward to, to, to seeing what these two breweries have done when they come together yeah. to, to, to create these beers. And also with Hawksmoor, because, I mean, Hawksmoor... Um, I've only been to Hawksmoor in London for their for Christmas breakfast, um, where I always have as much full English as I can fit on the biggest <laughs> plate possible. And then I pair it with the uh, Colonel India Porter. Oh, nice. Very nice. Pre-work. Pre-work? Yeah. It's a tradition in London. Oh, well, Before yeah. work. It used to be you go to Spitalfields Market, because that's the only place you could have a drink before yeah. work. Um, but now you've got slightly more relaxed licensing hours. And so, I can't, well, if I've been in somewhere where they've got Colonel, I can't not have Colonel. No, and I can see how the India Porter would work yeah. with, a, with a full English breakfast. Yeah, well. it probably comes out just that little bit to tie in with our subject tonight. A little bit too cold. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, but I will report back on that. If I don't go. On a future show. If we might report back. We may report back on that. But you will definitely report back. Yes, yes. Very, very uh, honoured, actually, to have been invited to that because I think that's going to be quite... Um, an exclusive event. Yeah, also, Hawksmoor have a fantastic reputation on the food. Forget about the drinks and stuff. Hawksmoor have a fantastic yeah, I'm looking meat. Forward, I'm looking forward to that ribeye steak. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm already salivating thinking about uh, it. Before we get to the next bit of news, which ties in quite nicely, um, has your view of the Harvest Ale improved at all? A little. I'm enjoying the nose a little bit more now. Right. Um, I'm still getting a, a big bitterness off of it it's and and it's quite an earthy woody bitterness yeah. that, that, that i'm getting off it it is slightly sweet around the edges it's um, a very sugary sweetness it it has softened what while it's been in the glass while, while i've been chatting there about some of those news it, it is it is beginning to soften in the glass when we did an episode about the cellar beers with um justin that time did he bring us one of the harvest ales from days gone by quite an old one yeah, looking back, uh, so Opinions 40, which was the cellaring episode where... That's, that's a while ago, we're on 73. <laughs> uh, where, I think that was when we were still weekly though, um, where we got to uh, choose beers from Justin's cellar. Yeah. 
Um, he did bring a Harvest Owl 2010 um, along, and I've just checked my untapped rating of that, and I only gave it 1.5. I don't think I'm a fan of this beer. I My recollection is we all felt maybe that one had turned, not so much as it got too old, but maybe oxygen or light had got in there. This one, I'm actually, I think I'm definitely enjoying more than you. It feels just a little bit young to me. I just wonder whether maybe another year to soften off the... I would say a couple of years easily, because that... I think that sugary sweetness, it's hard to get away from all of that. See, I don't like that in a barley wine. No, mm. I don't mind a little bit of sweetness. because I, I want a softer finish. Yeah. You want it more rounded, don't and, you? And that's where, if I was to compare that to the, the, the one we were talking about earlier, Magic Rock Strongman, it was all that and more. It had a soft finish to it as well. But you want it to be well-rounded, don't you? Mm-hmm. When you're having that kind of beer, especially in 11, 11%. Yeah. Let's get through the rest of this news and staying on theme, JW Lees um, have announced that they're going to have a Manchester music theme for their 2019 series of beers. So um, the beers will pay homage to some of the greatest bands that have helped shape Manchester and the UK music scene. Uh, The beers will include um, hops that they've enjoyed showcasing through their microbrewery and they'll be using some of those in new combinations. So uh, the beers that they'll be releasing next year are, um, let's, let's, let's play a little quiz, see if you know oh, any of the bands. Um, no advance notice for this whatsoever. I know, I know, I love throwing these things on you. January and February, one day like this, 3.8% parallel. No. That's, okay, that's Elbow. Yeah, I'll, no, I'm gonna struggle with this. March and April, rock and roll star. 4.1% bitter. No. Oasis. May and June, not 19 forever. 4.3% amber ale. I don't know. Paul Cortinas. Castle. Oh, you're doing... Come on, you've got to get these last two. Why? Put me, yeah? July and August, ever fallen in love. 3.9%. Oh, I've got the song in my head now. No, go on. Buzzcocks. Oh. I'm sure it was Buzzcocks that did did it that's who I know it was by Um, September, October, November True Faith 4.2% Dark Owl no New Order that's a big zero out of five mate there's no warning for that you're shit at music I'm not shit at music there's no warning for that no you are that's that's why you never get to choose the tunes at the end of the uh, show I never get asked that's true (laughs) well you never edit (laughs) well yeah exactly If if I was editing I would never ask you to be fair um, so the more eagle-eyed listeners, or even eagle-eared, or even eagle-eared <laughs> if listeners, that's even a phrase, um, would have heard that we've just opened another beer. Yes. So, Formbridge. Oh, smell this from here as well. Days of Creation. Yeah. Yes, it does smell delightful, doesn't it? So this is the sour red ale, which has been aged in red burgundy barrels with raspberries. Oh, so definitely this. in a very traditional style. Cheers. I mean, the colour of it is absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's got a sharp, sharp nose to it. Sharp fruit oh, nose. Do you know what? That, that The colour combined with the nose is just absolutely superb. Now, that will wash away everything you had from the last one. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And then right at the end, a little bit of tannins. 
definitely in there as well, isn't there? So this is just coat the tongue. The vintage twenty seventeen. So this has won a few a few awards, I think. I think they've done a few a few years running now. This one, yeah, it's, it's almost become an annual release now. I think they've done it? at least 15, 16, 17. I've got it in my head. Yeah. If, if the ones that went missing in Leeds, that must have been 15 when you were doing your regular trips up there. Work. Yeah, you don't need to keep going on about it. I do. I replaced, a, because I replaced you did, them. But I did cry first of all, and then I laughed. <laughs> and I think, I think what was also funny was I was trying to pay you to replace them in addition to actually rebuying them for you, <laughs> yeah. wasn't I? Because I, I, I think I was still pissed and I yeah. couldn't work out whether, not only have I got to replace your beers, Do I have like, to give you money? And I was like, I've got to give you some money back as well. And you were like, no, you're no. replacing the beers. Yeah. I just need the beer. <laughs> yeah. Which some tramp has gone, oh, this is off and chucked it down the yeah. drain. Um, uh, that's, it's a very elegant bottle as well. It's, it's beautiful. I, I mean, the pre- presentation on it, caught, caged, the whole yeah. thing, it's... It deserves to be, I would say actually, this deserves to be in the 750 bowl. Yeah, without a doubt. One thing, I might like that just a tad colder. That's all. I, I did think about that and obviously we, as we've started doing, we do a bit of a pre-show warm-up now with the Periscope. I probably took it out of the fridge a little bit too early. Yeah. I reckon that a little bit cooler and then warms up a little bit while it's in the glass as well would be absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you'd you, you change, you'd you taste those subtle differences as it warmed in the glass, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I think those fruity notes would come on and yeah. you'd notice that difference, wouldn't you? Yeah. While we're talking Thornbridge, um, they've they've announced that their second of 10 pubs that they're opening nationwide is... Still um, not in Essex. No, still not in Essex. Still not announced one for London yet, no. either, have they? Um, which surely has got to come. You'd think so. Surely. My love of Formbridge might wane a little bit if they don't. Yeah, so this is going to be in uh, York. It's in the town centre and it's transforming a 1960s three-storey building into an elegant Georgian-style traditional pub that overlooks the city. And that should be open by the end of the year. Which, again, only enhances what you've already got in York. Yeah. Anyone who's been to York, anyone who lives near York, will already know it's got a great beer scene. It's just another addition to it. Yeah. And also on the on the Thornbridge vein as well, they sneaked out a cheeky release this last couple of weeks of the um, hybrid collaboration that they did with Cigar City. Yeah, which, let's face it, although we do our best to do the no FOMO thing, we, I both, lost my shit over. we both got a bit FOMO, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. So what are we call it? Are we call it High Jai or High High or is it Jai Jai? Or? I, well, I never really knew how to pronounce the original beer anyway from well, Cigar C- City. Cigar City is Highlight. Yeah. So, and, and this is, the, the, the label's beautiful. Okay, so it's, it, it's Jai Lai then, isn't it? N- well, no, it's High Jai. All right, High Jai. If, if you look at oh, okay. the font that they've used, they've used the Cigar City font first, first and then the Thornbridge font second. So it's, it's got to be High Jai. High Jai. Yeah. So, and we've got some of that coming, haven't we? So we can't talk about whether it's no not weather surely it's going to be the greatest beer ever created it's definitely going to be right up there yeah that's my expectation I cannot wait no. to get that in my face um, so uh, next up we've got uh, the Pullman Group who we haven't spoken about for a while back in the news this week um, so a complaint has been made about Flying Dogs Easy IPA right I completely missed this 
Did you? Yeah, yeah, I completely missed this because Easy IPA has been out for ages. It has. I, I think I picked this up off Twitter, actually. So a complaint, again, from a member of the public believed that the drink, which is produced by Flying Dog, appealed to under-18s. While the panel concluded that the product did not have direct appeal to under-18s, the panel investigated whether the product packaging encouraged immoderate consumption under one of their codes. So, because the can contained terms Easy and Session IPA, they noted that the original meaning of the phrase was a prolonged drinking session. Although the panel did not consider these terms to be problematic if used in the right context, when used alongside an image of an, of an inebriated-looking creature balanced on one leg presented an indication of drunkenness. Accordingly, they have upheld a decision under another one of their codes. Well, that's bollocks then, because that contradicts. If you've got a picture of an inebriated creature, that implies if you drink enough of it, you're going to be inebriated. Yeah. Um, if that if that's, that that logic's wrong. Now, now interestingly, and this is this is where it's, it's that whole Portman grey area. Again. Yeah. Flying Dog have just ignored it and carried on producing packaging in, in the way that they produce it. Which I I asked the question on Twitter at the time of, does this mean that because Flying Dog are a US brewery, they can essentially ignore a ruling from a UK body? Well, it's a voluntary, it's a self-regulatory body for UK industry. I would say, yes, they probably can. And it seems as though they have, because Portman have gone on to say that they're disappointed that Flying Dog have ignored the ruling. Well, Flying Dog don't just export this beer to the UK, do they? No, and, and let's be honest, they're probably not going to miss being stocked in a few supermarkets, are they, in terms of their overall profit? No. As a, as a worldwide brand. I'm, I'm picturing, so the, flying, so the Flying Dog, that's with the dog, almost like a crossed out eye, one leg, green can, isn't it? Yeah. No, uh, it's green. I'm sure it's a greenish can. The easy what's the red can? Maybe that's the easy okay. But we'll have a look because I said that just sort of contradicts it. Because it, yes, it does say easy and sessionable IPA, but if it shows someone inebriated, surely that's a hint in itself. Yeah. But I, I found that one quite interesting in terms of the as a US brewery, essentially they've chose to ignore this UK regulatory body ruling yeah maybe that's where Portman see the thing is that because obviously we had the conversation with Portman two or three months ago which I still found very insightful yeah um, maybe this is where Portman either need to either fess up and say we can only influence we're a UK regulatory body for UK companies but if that's the case then when they get a complaint that comes to them from outside the UK, they probably have to hold their hands up and say, we probably shouldn't opinionate. Yeah. Because it feels like that waters down what they can do. It does. It takes away all their teeth, essentially, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that would be a shame because we should not have unregulated beer. There should still be some form of regulation. And, and what you don't want to get to is a point where a UK brewery essentially says, well, they ignored it. We're going to do the same. So we're going to. Yeah. And then you've got the domino effect, haven't you, where everyone's just like, well, and, and then they become worthless. Yeah, in which case then you get the government step in and you get statutory regulation. Yeah. Which becomes a whole different Which is game. what you don't want. No, exactly. So from one dog to another. It's been a while since we spoke about Brewdog in depth. When you say a while, they, now, get, they it, get a lot of mentions. They, they get a lot of mentions, but in depth. And 
this is in depth because this was one hell of a release. It was. So um, Brewdog have released the Brewdog Blueprint, which is their... Now, they've labelled it as their manifesto for the next 10 years in terms of setting out where they're going. Because political parties never do that. (laughs) When you read it, it generally is most of what they plan to do in the next 18 months. Um, But it's interesting. So I I did go through it, and and there's a few points that I've pulled out. So what's your highlights? Okay. Um... Jack Hammer's gone. You see, I wouldn't call that a highlight. I think it's headline. A low light. Yeah. But why? And also, and I didn't notice this so much, probably because I'm not a fan of it, and it's never been one that I've really loved, but they also seem to have dropped 5AM Sane, which seem to be two of the beers that they built their brand on. Well, you would always see one or both yeah. in the bar. Now, I'm the same as you, 5am saying... Take it or leave it. Yeah. Jack Hammer? Can't, I can't believe they've dropped it. Why? And, and they've come back and said, oh, well, both might still appear as part of our seasonals. And I'm like... I would have to say that... I want I want Jack Hammer every time I go into a Brewdog bar, I want it to be available. Well, you know, I'm a creature of habit, so I nearly always had Dead Pony Club yeah. first. But if Jack Hammer's on, it's easily one of their best beers. Yeah. Easily. In fact, in the last year to 18 months, I think we've both been quoted as saying it hasn't tasted better. And also, how many times have we also said about Fanzine that they should probably just stop doing West Coast IPAs? Because none of them live up to Jackhammer. Because if you can't make something better than Jackhammer, don't Don't bother. Yeah. Yeah, so I I found that one really strange in in terms of what is going to be their new core offering that they're laying out. Um... They also are introducing something called Hop Hub, which is cold chain distribution, um, which is nothing new, but within the manifesto they tried to claim it was. It's a new name, so and, it's new. And then they got shot down by, in particular, Jolly Good Beer, who said, I've been doing that for years. You can't be, you can't claim to be the first in a publication because I've been doing it for years. Um, and within that, they then are going to be releasing a new beer called 30 Day IPA, which is a 6.1% West Coast IPA, which they will only sell and distribute to um, outlets that can guarantee cold store from beginning to end. So is this effectively buy now, drink now? Yeah, 30 Day IPA. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, they're releasing a beer called All Sops IPA, which they bought the brand into uh, a while back, which was the first ever commercial version of the style. So this is essentially a heritage IPA. So we've, we've spoken a lot about heritage being yeah. a different thing. Um, a lot of people question in this one as to whether they're just jumping on bandwagon, but they're working with Martin Cornell on this, who is known for his... He knows his historical beer yeah. styles. Um, so a lot of people quite excited about what that's going to bring. That would definitely be an interesting one because I, I'd be surprised if he let something get out there which he's not happy with. Yeah, exactly. So that, that that's going to be yeah. one to keep your eye on. Um, fanzine is... that they're, they're now terming it Fanzine 2.0 and it's essentially going monthly. So it's moving from the fortnightly three beers every fortnight to three beers uh, a month. Um we have different views on fanzine. Yes. Um, what do you think of it going monthly? Um, one half of me is disappointed because I quite, I think, again, on record, I was saying I quite like the fact that it's only three beers and it only comes out twice every 
two weeks. It's quite a nice little number. Haven't got to rush to do it. Having said that, um, I have quite a lot of beers in my beer cupboard anyway, so going to once a month is fine. I think if you if that's your only beer subscription, so you signed up to it saying oh, that's right, you get three beers regularly every month, every two weeks, then three beers turning up once a month is going to seem quite light. Yeah, it's going to be a lot less exciting. It for, for me because I've I've cancelled my fancy fancy subscription. You, you're the most recent box is your last box, that, isn't that's, it? That's my last. Um, I was a bit disappointed here that it was going monthly because I kind of thought, actually, I might I'm, I might have still bought into monthly. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought that, well, that's, that's just, it's now just another subscription service. The, the fortnightly element of it was what set it apart. That yeah. was its unique selling point. And... I don't know whether it's just this case of obviously we've spoke before about those first 12 boxes obviously were all planned yeah to carry on doing that and I wonder if they've literally looked at their brewing schedule and gone we we can't no. keep doing this I mean what it might do is that every every month you could get the quality and the styles and the variety could really go up you could really get free nailed on beers every time yeah and I've got no doubt with the stuff they've been talking about in the manifesto and you haven't even finished what else is still to come we are going to be guinea pigs but we've always thought that haven't yeah. we yeah but I've been happy with that yeah. I know a lot of people haven't I don't understand why but I always thought that was obvious anyway I always thought we would be so if they really get something and everyone who has it goes yep this is a 4 4.25 on untapped and we love it and we oh, why haven't you not put this in 750 bottles then why would they not do it again You'd have to be really stupid not to do it again. Yeah. So you could end up with a really amazing selection of beers, but it will seem a little, well, quite tiny. <laughs> Three beers a month. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with it because, you know, me and Michelle share the beers anyway, so I will see how this goes. But what is interesting is that it hasn't come out as part of the fanzine release. And in the emails that they send to us as fanzine members. Yeah, that, that it's not come It's through. not been mentioned. And a lot of people have said that to, to, to me on Twitter as well, that, oh, where, where's that information yeah. that you've got? And I'm like, well, it was in the manifesto. And they're like, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I and think as, as a, a subscriber, we've not been told as that's going to happen. That would be the bit I found disappointing. As a subscriber, and again, we went in straight away, and I would say most people did the same thing. We should have got the heads up. And it's supposed to be from November as well. So as we record tonight, that's only a matter of 10 days away. So I've got one more two-week release and then I'm on to a monthly cycle. Yeah, and you've still not been told? No. It's going monthly. So if the only thing I was yeah. relying on was uh, the fanzine emails, and I'm not on Twitter, I don't know about it. Yeah. Or you don't listen to the show. Oh, in that case, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone that listens to the show. Um, Brewdog are bringing cask back. See, cask is saved again. Yeah, Brewdog, the only ones bringing cask back. Well, as long as, uh, you know, they're the only ones up north bringing it back. Um, Cask Dead Pony Club through their draft house chain. Now, we spoke about draft. I'm. (laughs) We did speak about the draft house. What did I say? Whether this was a possibility it could come back. I mean, hopefully it's got to be better than the fucking awful dead pony live oh but they're also expanding the live beer range oh god no this, as, as no well. it's no good maybe that's where jack Hammer's going 
No. Maybe you can get a live jackhammer. A live jackhammer. No, I want, I want one of the dead ones that's yeah. at 7.4%. And while we're talking Draft House, they are planning on doing a series of collabs with um, brewers from around the world that are renowned for the style that they do that will be exclusive to Draft Houses. So they're teaming up with Sierra Nevada to do a Draft House parallel. Mm, okay. Um, Schneider Weiss to do a Draft House wheat beer. Mm-hmm. And then Victory to do a Draft House lager. I mean, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? So effectively, they become almost like their house beers. Yeah. And they're definitely on point for the styles that those breweries are recognised. Yeah, yeah. That's a, oh, that sounds all right. Um, introducing a new barrel-aged programme, which they've called the Hinterlands, and have straight away been pointed out that I think it's Harbour. Bruin already have a barrel-aged programme called the Hinterlands, so not quite sure where that's going, but they are introducing a new barrel-aging programme. They've got a load of collabs planned with some really exciting breweries. Um, Daya, Northern Monk, Wild Beer, Verdant, Fierce, Magic Rock and Buxton. Right, I'm going to stop you there for a sec. There's a lot of, all of these breweries you just mentioned, there are a lot of fans of those breweries. I bet you they're not all fans of BrewDog. So what is it that's going to set them apart? Is that is that what you're saying? Or, or will it put people off? Because I don't imagine most fans of those breweries would have been, would have thought that these guys would work with BrewDog. I've got no problem with it. But um, I, re- I reckon there's a few people to be going, because let's face it, there's a lot of negative press about BrewDog. There's a lot of negative noise about BrewDog. They've worked with Fierce. They've worked with Magic Rock before. Yeah. I've got no. I said I've got no problem. Um, I think they've probably done takeovers of all of those yeah. breweries before in their. I think it's really. I think it's really quite exciting. The yeah. thing is, I still generally don't mind Brewdog beers. No, I don't. I I recently had an entire evening on Brewdog beers, and I introduced a friend who is not a drinker to Mr. President, and he thought it was the greatest thing that ever passed his lips. There you go. I mean, that's not often that's going to be said by a lot of people, but. I, if I was going to start people off on a bit of a unknown journey into beers they may not have experienced, Brewdog would be one that's I would present them. Because you can, and, and, and that's essentially what I did. I took him on a journey through, essentially took him on a journey through IPA. So we went session, we went IPA, we went double IPA, and then we finished on a barley wine. And I was like, that's, that's your progression of IPA. You, you know, barley yeah. wine being, if, if, if you give it a bit more time and dial a few things down and you know yeah there aren't many breweries that you can go to in the UK to get that range of styles from and to do as a tasting accessible as well yeah uh, and then the final thing is um, still no plans for a bar in Essex because uh, they talked about South End once didn't they yeah or they've even got that they're even um, offering a new franchise scheme now and there's still no suggestion that that's going anywhere near Essex. So we we we're getting none of it. I just I just think they're I I think they're missing a trick. I I think Chelmsford is ripe for a brewdog bar mm. right now. Definitely, especially with all the expansion with the shopping area gone on there. Yeah. Which you may not have expected me and Steve to know about that, to be honest. No, but right, last one on the news. <laughs> we're, still, feels, we're still on the news. Feels like it feels like it's an entire show of news, mate. Um, so this is um, climate change is going to cause dramatic beer shortages. This was reported in the Guardian this week. Um, apparently, as things begin to heat up in in the world and climate change 
begins to affect us more. It's going to set um, dramatic price increases and supply shortages across ingredients for beer. So extreme heat waves and droughts will increasingly damage the globe, global barley crop, meaning a common ingredient in the world's favourite alcoholic beverage will become scarce. The key brewing nations are forecast to be among the worst hit, including Belgium, the Czech Republic and Ireland. We're all right then. What? Well, not mentioned? No. Or, or the US? No. Is, is this, I'm, I'm assuming that must be... Oh, yeah, sorry. Trump has denied climate change, so they're fine. Okay, so... Uh, so yeah. they, their crops are going to be all right. So Czech Republic... Well, Czech Republic... It's going to be some of your... Her- um, what are they called? Not your heritage. No, nah, but the reason why the Czech Republic are on Noble. there... Noble. So Czech... No, uh, the reason why they're on there is because they uh, per capita are still the highest consumption, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's why they're on the list. But they are also where your noble hops come from. Um, don't get Ireland and Belgium. Anyway, um, so this is looking well into the future. Uh, so the research has been published by uh, the journal Nature Plants. It used climate models to examine the impact. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like, sorry, that sounds like one of those ones at the end of Have I Got News uh, For no, You. No, <laughs> uh, Used climate models to examine the impact of extreme weather on barley yields over the next 80 years. You know what, mate? I think we're going to be all right. Yeah, we're going to be you, fine. You, we're, we're going to be fine. Even some of our younger listeners will be fine. Let's 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 not sensationalise that no. story. It, it just came up in the last week. So we have finished Is, the. We've finished the days of creation, which went down beautifully. Yes, indeed it did, and our listeners will be pleased to hear that we're just at halfway through the show. Yes, sorry. For those of you that moaned that the last show was only less than an hour and a half. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, because here it comes. So what have we got coming now? So this is an offer from the aforementioned Brewdog. Uh, I, I actually can't read most of this label. You know what it is already, don't you? It's, it's barrel-aged Hinterland. Now, Hinterland was uh, an Imperial Milk Stout that they did. This was a barrel-aged version that they um, obviously put into barrels for um, EFP investors. So if you, I think it was it was a fairly low-level investment for EFP4, and you got three bottles of this. So I've done a bottle of this every year since I've had them. So this would be the third year in a row that I've done a bottle of this. About this time of year. And it's been about this time of the year as well, yeah. Okay, so we've gone from a 6.8 to a 10 plus then we drop down to a sessionable seven yeah this isn't a sessionable seven this is well in the double figures yeah this is ten and a half brilliant here we go then so and i've got to say even without checking my untapped i can tell you that the last two times i've had this i have thoroughly enjoyed this beer you know sometimes you get that sort of more thicker bodied beer just you can see it see slightly Gulp, gulp, it doesn't, gulp. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't so much pour, does it? As it bubbles out, as yeah, I uh, slides out. It's it's really. I mean that. I mean that's properly dark. That that's, is as black as the. And it's got that coffee head. Dark night. Yeah. It, it's not a white head, is it? No, it's it's off white. It's a it's a beigey colour. It does look fantastic. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Sorry to have a cheeky little sniff there. Oh, that's a good nose on that. Oh, it's got quite a biscuity nose, actually. Mm. I'm getting sort of like chocolate digestive on that. Yeah, there's a little bit of, um, there's some caramel, some vanilla. 
A little bit of toasted marshmallow as well on that. Ooh, that's bloody lovely. Wow. That is dessert. That's smooth, isn't it? Dessert, isn't it? That is properly We've smooth. gone for dessert at beer number four. Early on as well. Ooh, that's good. So while we enjoy this, let's finally get on um, to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which is, do you care about the temperature of your beer? 794 votes, which makes this our most popular ever poll. In, in terms of the number of people that, that voted. Six away the from the 800. I know. I was desperate to get six more and just get over into... In, into and you just didn't have enough time to create enough Twitter accounts to do it. Exactly. Um, and it was a fairly definitive answer as well. 96% of people went for yes. Actually, I'm surprised that the 4% that said no. Yeah, I am. Actually, it's one of those that... Who, who's voting no? Yeah, because we didn't yeah. say what do you want your beer to be like or is it a particular style of beer it was a very blank canvas question yeah and i've got to say that this this poll was inspired by um i think i was it was on my way home from indie man um i was scrolling through twitter and there that there was a picture on twitter of um matt curtis was um he had a thermometer in a pint of beer and which still has it still looks a bit odd yeah it, it does but that's what inspired this this poll was like um actually do you care that much about your beer and consequently having chatted to matt it found out that he was actually taking the piss a little bit it was it was something he'd picked up from a conference he had been at and he was playing around with it he wasn't necessarily being serious about it um but i thought actually that might quite a good question, yeah. and and clearly it did because a lot of people cared about this. Oh, well, not that only was there seven hundred ninety-four votes. There was a lot of comments. Yeah, let's dig into some of them. Go for it. Um, Greg Bullman at Greg Bullman. Yeah, not so fast if a stout is chilled. We'll suck that or a barley wine at room temperature if necessarily. Lager IPA Defo needs a chill. Um, I'm not a fan of Guinness being chilled. Are you not? A- Fan of the super chilled? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Interesting. No, I, I, I do like my Guinness just to be the original. So when you go to the pub and you had that, the versions, and I just wanted Guinness. I quite like the super chilled. Must admit. No. Personal preference. Huh? You may not be able to come out with my mum and dad on St Patrick's. But Day. then I do enjoy a cold stout or porter in the middle of the summer. Oh, I, I do, but not Guinness. Okay. Uh, Paul at UNRCD, yes, although for me personally it's changed from what I wouldn't have wanted, would have wanted a year ago. A year ago I would insist on it being at least a couple of degrees cooler. So it's interesting that as, because I, I think it's probably fair to say that as we've been doing this, Paul's been on a on, on a bit of a journey. No, I would say he's been on journey styles, with the beer styles for the years. And, and it's interesting to see that actually he's saying that now he, he, he wants to, and it's probably fair to say that the warmer the beer, the more flavour you're going to get out of it anyway. Definitely. Definitely the flavour and aroma will come with the warmth. Doesn't mean you'd always enjoy it more. Yeah. Uh, Rich Weir at Rich W underscore W27 had a battle with my area manager way back in management days to give me some drawing off allowance in the height of summer from cask lines, which sat right above the flash cooler under the bar. Customers simply wouldn't drink that first warm pint after a night in the lines. 
really disappointing to hear you had to battle that. <laughs> yeah. It's one pint. Charlotte, yeah. I mean, and we saw that the other week when we went to the Victoria Inn. We were the first people in there and we all ordered a pint of cask. Yeah. And Sheena drew off a pint from each cask line Long and before, it went yeah. down the sink. And it, it wasn't like she blinked an eyelid at it. Just did it. Nobody said anything about it. It was just like, that's that's not a good pint. Getting rid of that. Have a good one. Yeah. Have one that's come from the cask, yeah. not that's been sitting overnight. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Graham at Graham Gilbert says, yes, far too often um, are all beers served too cold. Stouts and sours, lambic, etc. almost always benefit from being sour temp. I think generally that's probably right. I think there's a difference. I think we've always had, there's always that view of English beers being warm, especially from... Warm flat beer. Warm. Can't believe men behaving badly put the flat beer in, flat conversation again. Um, about them being, not being cold, because a cellar is not warm. You wouldn't want to spend a night in a cellar with no heating. No, because it's, so it's underground. Yeah. A cellar by its pure nature is underground. Which is the reason why it's there. Yeah. So a cellar isn't going to be warm. So you would take a bottle of red wine from a cellar. You wouldn't necessarily even serve it straight away, but you would take it from the cellar because you know that's where it's going to be looked after in a cellar. It's dark. It's It's got a nice, even temperature. It's not warm. And yeah, sometimes it can be too cold. But yeah, again... The answer is still yes, because you care about it not being too one way or the other. So I still want to know who the 4%. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what the 4%, 4% thought. And I, th- I think, I'm not sure whether some somebody said that actually, not necessarily to this poll. No, I think it was this poll yeah. actually, but I don't think I, I referenced this. That yeah. It was James at Gammon Barron said, once again, the no vote, I'm not giving yeah. their reasons It's almost like they've just got no to find out what the vote is going yeah. like. Um so James at James Moosh, yes, if it's served professionally, i.e. in a pub, then it should be the correct temperature for that specific beer. But I drink a lot at home that's either too warm or too cold and I don't really care. I'm not sure that's right. But, Come on, James. No, but at home it's your choice, isn't it? Yeah, but... I drink a lot at home that's either too warm or too cold, but then they, but the fact that he's actually saying too warm or too cold implies he knows when something's not the right temperature it's it's interesting because if I'm going to take something from my cellar i.e. a dark beer that I'm going to drink on that evening I will look at that beer and I'll be like yeah I'm going to put this in I'm going to put this in the fridge but then I'm going to bring it out the beer before yes I'm going to drink it because I want it chilled but I don't want it cold that's interesting I'll so come essentially up. I want it at cellar temp yeah and that's that's the way I, I will get you, my that's the way you gauge temp. cellar temperatures take yeah. it out yeah because yeah. my cellar is a cupboard under the sink yeah that's that's fine yes but not on a few uniform direction from Pete drinks a beer at Pete drinks a beer some beers should be cooler than others and vice versa that said I'm bad at following this rule at home and tend to drink almost everything <laughs> cold from the fridge <laughs> And I think that comes down to, I've put the whole load of beers in the fridge, I want to take one out, oh, but I really want it anyway. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. Let's bring that back to the, the, the previous discussion we were having about Brewdog's fanzine. I've literally always just taken all three of those beers and put them straight into the fridge. 
apart from recently when the Old World Stout was in there, where that went into the cellar. Because I just felt as though that didn't need to go straight into the fridge. Oh, mine always goes straight in the fridge. But because I knew, because by the time I opened the box, someone's already told me what's in there. The box came out. By the time I get to that one, which would obviously be the third out of the three, yeah. it's just warmed up a little bit. See, for me, I never used to put all my beers in the fridge. But I'm almost always these days will put a beer in the fridge if I know I'm going to have it. But then I'll do what you do, which is time when I take it out. Yeah, try and bring it out to just let it. If it's a dark beer, like some some of the beers we're drinking tonight, some of the barrel aged beers, you don't want them cold no. because you know if they're cold, you're losing a whole load of flavour. Exactly. There. But I do like that effect you get as it warms up in the glass as well. Yeah. So obviously, if you, if you start off warm, or room temperature to be better would be a better expression, you don't get that gradually it's getting a fine better balance, isn't it? A very fine yeah. balance and again it's a judgment call but i'm definitely more on the i would rather start off on that slightly erring on the side of cooler than ready and, and now it's more yeah. yeah depending on the beer yeah, yeah depending on the beer um so from the toy house brewery at toy house brew obviously yes no universal correct temperature for all styles though i'm usually fairly happy to drink most things around cellar temperature or just below also depends on weather I can't disagree with that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much what we've done tonight. Or tried to I've, do. I've, I've already found myself leaning more towards the dark beers again. Yeah. So in which case then, you're not going to take them out and drink them freezing, are you? No. I don't want to go, I don't want a freezing cold beer when it's freezing cold out. No, I? exactly. You, don't, you just don't want to do that, do you? No. Um, so from Guy Miller at Brew Guy, I'd love a nice cold beer is a phrase that often I hear. Did you actually taste the beer? No. Take two punk IPA, one ice cold and the other at six or seven degrees. The cold beer would give or give off almost no aroma taste. The other one would let you have the full potential by serving it at the right temperature. Again. Can't argue with that. Can't argue yeah. that. I, I can't imagine one ever wanting to have a slightly warm punk IPA. No. And equally, as, as much as I love Rhinebacker, from Audi, Warm. I only ever want that. Oh, can you imagine? Cold. Yeah. Can you imagine one of those ones that have sat in the back of the car or something for like oh, a couple of hours in, yeah. the, in the heat wave? Not drink a warm lager, oh, no. That'd be awful. Absolutely not. Um, and to, to, to finish off this little section, so from Carl Gunner, at KL Gunner. Yes, that's why most macro lagers are served ice cold because they have no flavours aroma. Again, can't disagree with that. I mean, you go into places like um, Spoons. They have, they, oh, I don't know if they still have, they used to advertise how cold it was, didn't they? Yeah. Like one degree. You're never going to taste anything, are you? You're drinking the sensation of having yeah. the beer. You're not drinking the beer, you're drinking the sensation of having a beer. While we're talking spoons, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast. There's, there's a rumour going around that they're stopping doing resin. Yes. <laughs> we have heard this rumour. Um, nothing's public's been said because apparently... One individual apparently got too pissed on drinking 10% beer, although it's quite clearly advertised on the beer it's 10%. Yeah. And it wasn't the only beer he was drinking over the course of the evening. And if it's one person... Not sure I can even go there. 
I can't imagine a future without resin. And so suddenly all Weatherspoons stopped doing resin because of one person. What, what are we going to do at the end of the night when we're out somewhere? I don't know. The end of the night's going to just finish earlier and a little bit more disappointing. The world's going to just be a little bit darker now. Uh, it is from, from, from there. So and, I'd, forgotten talking, about, I'd forgotten about that for a bit. And, and talking of a dark beer, um, we are powering our way through this. It is very, very drinkable. I'm getting a lot of... I'm, I'm getting a lot of toasted marshmallow on, on this. See, on the nose, I'm getting um, sort of that sherry port kind yeah. of quality about yeah. it. Um, which I like. I mean, I don't like sherry at all. Foul drink. Port I love. But I'm, that's what I'm getting on the nose, and that's just drawing me in every time I have a little sup. Draws me in, draws me in. It's so easy to drink. And we it? are in that time of year where this kind of beer is really yeah. starting to get my attention again. I wouldn't uh, during the summer if we were recording this first of August. I would have enjoyed it. Probably not quite so this, much. This would have been an end of evening beer in 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 the summer. Not not beer number four out of six. Yeah, still two more to go. Let's um let's power through some more comments because there are many more on this. Yeah. A lot a lot of people had quite a lot to say about temperature. Uh, JT at Alan Metal, which you are convinced is me. In my alter ego. Well, this is Ayla Metal, which is you. Yeah, and to be fair, let's listen to this comment again. Yes, in my in, in my opinion, most cask is too warm, so I opt for keg in general. <laughs> I mean, I could have written that. I actually could have written that. However, I'll often hang on uh, a few minutes before drinking a keg beer, so it can go from super chill to nice and cool. Uh, Matt Chinnery at Half Pint Gent. Everybody should care about the temperature of beer. Wrong temperature can call, can be the difference between a perfect pint or something that is dead, lifeless and unpleasant to drink. Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. Yes, I care. I also care what temperature my bottled and canned beer has been on the journey to me. Time for someone to invent thermo labels for a small pack that have an indication of temperature of product and more importantly, the highest it has been subjected to. I mean, that's an interesting one because... I had no idea what he was talking about. Someone came back on it though. Cause did that thing, didn't they? Where they had a label that yeah. when it got to a certain colour of blue, it was at its perfect temperature where you wouldn't taste how shit it yeah. was, possibly. <laughs> well, or just you may be in danger of tasting yeah. something and then you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but thermo labels do actually exist, don't they? Do they? Yeah, because I'm sure someone tweeted back saying that this existed. Um, I mean, this took it off, obviously, in a slightly different direction. So I think we were talking about at the time you had the beer. Yeah. Weren't we? So the time you get it dispensed by someone else, the time you take it out of the cupboard, the time you take it out of the fridge, whatever it might be. This was a slightly different flavour to that question but still quite as relevant bearing in mind that you know a lot of breweries now are definitely extolling the virtues of having cold chain cold chain from yeah beginning to end yeah just cloud water everything cloud water's entire distribution is now cold chain yeah and you know the bottle shop have obviously made a big thing about that as well yeah um i think Brewdog were alluding to it so this is starting to become much more prevalent the thermo label thing i imagine there's a bit of a cost attached to that to be yeah, honest i don't want to be paying extra for a label that tells me no my i will start off from the point unless i find out otherwise or I taste otherwise that it's been cared for yeah 
That's that's what you want is a beer that's been looked after. Yeah, by all on the stage. Yeah. If it's been cold chained all the way, even better. Yeah, I won't assume it's been cold chained. Um, Rob's Beer Odyssey at Rob's Beer Odyssey says temperature affects taste, and there are ideal thresholds for styles. Overtly cold, warm beer from pubs is is a warning about a lack of understanding or care. That said, external factors such as weather can affect customers' preference. I don't really fancy warm beer on a hot day. Guidelines are misleading and rarely policy, uh, policed. Temperature is part of camera beer scoring, but from experience is rarely recorded. Company recommendations also play a factor. Guinness Extra Cold, for example, is a colder shadow of its former self that seems to be seems to fulfil a demand. I think that's actually quite a good point from Rob. Well, there's actually a few good points in there, because I think there's about three tweets in that one, isn't there? Yeah. So... The whole Guinness extra cold is a thought there's a cold shadow of its former self. I think that's what I alluded to. You know, Guinness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guinness. Um warm beer on a hot day. Sometimes it's not always warm beer. Sometimes it's just room temperature or cellar temperature and you think, uh, I think we had, we said it before about the lager thing. Lager spiking during the summer. Yeah. During the car scale, numbers going down. I went for lager a lot more than I did cast because beer. Because you know you're gonna get it cold and, uh, yeah and also I want that cutting yeah. biting carbonation as well which is what you get with lager um, that the, the bit which I found interesting is saying temperatures are a part of the camera beer scoring but from experience is rarely recorded I never see that come up I no, never see I've, it get mentioned I've not seen that before no so it's, it's first there's way. quite a few interesting points from yeah. Rob at Rob's Beer Odyssey um, man cave beer reviews at man cave underscore beer underscore absolutely but very subjective and due to the myriad styles now available no definitive temperature to suit all beers few of mine come straight from the fridge none of my MP stouts or porters do and absolutely none of them are ever ice cold so that's like, that sounds like somebody knows what they want yeah it's very clear in terms and I'm a little bit like that yeah if it's a light beer, I want it cold. Yeah. If it's darker, dependent, I think for me, very much dependent on the temperature outside, will dictate the temperature that I want that beer in my glass. I think it's definitely a seasonal thing. We're still definitely senses our sight. Yeah. Bright outside, light coloured beers, dark outside, dark coloured beers. Therefore, the beer should be a bit not as cool as it is during the summer. That's the whole census thing, isn't it? Um, so from Dr. Goggles at Burnt Najal, or Jowl. Of course, the temperature has a huge effect on the flavour. You wouldn't expect wine aficionados to drink red wine out of the fridge or white wine at room temperature. Excellent point. Okay, I, um, I like a cold red wine. So do the Sicilians. So in Sicily, they will serve red wine straight from the fridge. I, I do like it chilled. But, as we've said, we all, both of us are quite fans of maybe a stout starting chilled yeah. or set a temperature and starting to warm up. Again, I'm not adverse to it and it's also quite a nice way to store it. But generally, that rule of thumb works. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see, I can so see your, that, yeah. Your red wine will be your cellar to room temperature. Your white wine will come out of the fridge. Yeah. So I can see, the, I can see where he's going. Chris Norman at CB underscore Norman. I tend to start with things in the fridge, in brackets. I like chill to begin with, but let them develop over an hour or so. Fascinating to watch an Imperial Stout come out of its shell. 
that just um, sort of lends into what we said reiterates really. everything that we've just been saying for possibly the last half an hour yeah. or so um, and from Peter McKerry it's been a long time since it Peter's had a comment been, on the show there seems to be a growing consensus that car scale is often served too warm then there's a scourge of restaurants that present you with a frosted glass for your beer thus masking its flavour profile so yes still succinct yes as, as ever as, as Pete so always is. he may well have had a bit of a rebrand. Yeah. But it's still Pete. Yeah. Which is quite nice, good. No, Without isn't it? Without a doubt, yeah. Um, from Rhythm and Brews, cutting straight through. Who's answering no? Of course temperature matters. In the same way it does for food and drink in general. However, claiming the demise of cars is because it is often isn't served at the optimum temperature is a simplification and ignores other factors. Okay, that's a good point as well. You can't disagree with that at Which, all. As much as I want to. So I'm presuming this must be from Andrew, not Luke. Yeah, because it's it's reasoned, it's sensible, you can you can appreciate what's yeah, been You can have a nice there. back and forth debate. Yeah, yeah. It's not Luke. That's absolutely not Luke. Andrew, know. thank you for your comment. <laughs> and last and uh, but very not least, the inspiration behind this whole <laughs> discussion from Matthew Curtis, the thermometer man at Total Curtis. Any road, soluble CO2, which not only makes beer fizzy, but also turns to carbonic acid, lowering the pH on your palate and enhancing certain flavours. Although it's nasty in high doses, it begins to evaporate at 15 degrees Celsius. So if your beer is warm, it becomes flat and tasteless. I'd just like to thank Matt for the science input into this week's episode. Yes, I would like to thank him as well, which I didn't realise I was going to have to read it out though. So thank you very much, Steve. Um, um, but yeah thank you Matt for inspiring the, the conversation in the first place um, personally the answer is obviously for me it's obviously yes and t- for me too wherever you sit on how a beer should be served what kind of st- uh, style should be served cold the answer has surely still got to be yes it is it, temperature does affect your beer yeah affects uh, you know affects beer affects food affects affects your moods I actually, it affects my mood on the train. It's warm and stuffy. I, I'm a moody git. I feel like I need to find that 4% of people now and just ask them, why? Yeah. Well, why? What do you mean? Sort of grab them. Yeah, shake, shake them. them. Shake them. Go, what are you talking yes. about? How can you say no? You're just, you're just wrong. Um, as always, though, I mean, that's that's been fascinating, hasn't it? Yeah, because even though we had... Everyone was overwhelmingly yes... There was a different slant. Great range of comments. Yeah. everyone. There was a lot of yeses. Yeah. And everyone had just a different, slightly different viewpoint on yeah. it. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating, actually. But I, I loved it, yeah. Such a simple question could get so many different types of answers. Yeah. So so thanks to everyone yeah. for getting involved. Um, conversation doesn't stop here. If you want to carry on getting involved in this, uh, have your say. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well end up in this next section. Let us know, write it down, let us know, write it down, let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness, write it down. Before we get into the comments though, we've got another beer. So I've poured my third choice, which is the Fuller's Brewers Reserve Oak Aged Ale. And I can smell this from here. They, I mean, these are a pretty special series of beers yeah. that Fuller's have done it, haven't they? So again, I think this is them digging back into their yeah. archives, isn't it? Oh. My word, cheers. I mean, straight away, 
Uh, I'm getting the whiskey nose. Now, I'm a more fan of whiskey than you are, which I think everyone probably knows by now anyway. What do you think? You can get it on the nose. On the flavour, it's really, really light. But you are getting those whiskey notes. There's a, you get the warmth. Yep. Very much get the warmth. Little hints of toffee, vanilla in there as well. See, I think that's what you get on the, like you say, I think on the nose, straight away you can get the whiskey. Once you dig into it, you get the aromas and flavours that you get from the whiskey barrel rather than the whiskey yeah. itself. Yeah. Now this was one of, this beer was one of my first real experiences of what beer could be. It was way back in, I think 2012, 13, I went to the Great British Beer Festival and Fuller's had a cask of, I think it was Brewers Reserve number two or number three. It was the one with the that'd green be about, label. That'd be about right, yeah. And I drank it and I was like, my word. This is what it can be. I, I have no idea that beer can be this good. But it's it's a shame because the Fullers seem to have stopped doing this now, haven't they? Which I'm really surprised at. I don't know whether because the vintage ale has sort of overtaken, maybe. Possibly, yeah. Um, because they've got, obviously, so basically they had vintage ale once a year, past Masters series came out. Yeah. And this sort of sat in somewhere between the, the two. Wayside, didn't it? And yeah. I'm not, but I think they've been really good, actually. And I'm, I'm, because the percentage is just exactly the same as a vintage ale, eight and a half percent. Yeah. So the description of this beer is, so Brewers Reserve Number Five Five has been aged in fine whiskey casks for over five hundred days. The smooth flavours from the oak casks subtly infuse into the bottle condition ale, creating an aroma of vanilla and a hint of whiskey, followed by notes of raisins, sultanas, and Christmas pudding. A brew that's well worth the wait, bottled in April 2016. Okay, this is two and a half years old yeah. as well. Um, I think it's really very drinkable, to be honest. Incredibly drinkable. It doesn't drink 8.5%. No. And I, I do just wonder, looking at the label there as, as, as you were reading it, obviously it, the, the hand signed, printed by John Keeling, who yeah. now retired, fully retired from, from Fuller's. But not retired. N- well, no, he's, he's now retired. He's and, retired and from Fuller's, just Not doing... retired from Twitter. No. He's, he's now more active on Twitter than he's <laughs> ever been. Um, and, and I do wonder whether this was... Maybe part of this was a little bit of... Uh, it was John's baby. It could maybe have been. Maybe he wanted to try these things because we've not... since This, this was the last one they've done of this series, yes. isn't it? There yeah. hasn't been a Brewer's Reserve no. number six. Which is a real shame, I think, because yeah. I thought it quite comfortably sat in the middle ground between the two and I think knowing what Fuller's know now and what they've tried to do and how they've tried to innovate and try new things I would love to see Fuller's well maybe maybe try a stout yeah that's been barrel aged Uh, but do one of those beers that without John's influence yeah Or, or fuck it barrel aged one of their vintage owls ooh can you imagine how great that would sound? I think you should, I think you should hold Space? that. I think you should hold that thought. Okay, I will do. Hold that thought. Let's um, get into some of uh, what people think of previous shows, which is becoming an ever-expanding section of its That's own. It's going to be a show on its own at this very, rate. Very soon. This is probably actually going to overtake the opinion <laughs> section of the show, let's be honest. Um, Richard George at 
passing phase. So, having heard the Beer Factory comments on episode 71, what are your feelings on Fourpure after Saturday's event? Marty? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Richard, hello. Uh, I met Richard on Saturday. It was part of, uh, it was on the tasting table we were on. And um, he's been doing a bit of a backtrack of the episode since then. So, thank you for doing that. Um, If you want to go pre-me, it's the Punk IPA episode you need to go to. Um, uh, I've always had a lot of love for Four Pure. I've said that before. And my, effectively, my interview for becoming Steve's co-host was based on the Four Pure Session IPA. No, it wasn't. It was a shapeshifter. They're West Coast. I did both. Oh, you did did give us, yeah, you gave us two. Did both. Um, So... Aside from that, I've been going down to their tap room within about six months of them first opening, and I've always loved what they do, and I'm still loving what they do because it's always for me based on the beer coming out. And yes, they have, from what I heard on Saturday, they have some fantastic expansion plans coming out. Basically, the industrial estate they're on is going to be fairly much beer. And while they're carrying on putting out great beers, and currently assisting Formbridge and canning their beers I'm quite happy <laughs> I have to admit yeah I love, I, love, I really enjoy four pure beers the re- I think the reason why I really enjoy them as well just to put it in context is that because they're at the far end of the beer mile I always go there first and work my way back into the city so it's never the party party atmosphere down there on an average Saturday and maybe my view would be different I turned up there it takes a while to get to as well doesn't it yeah Yeah. so if I turned up there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon maybe it would be a bit different but I always turn up their early doors fairly much when they're opening Um, and they were early adopters of cans they were early adopters into supermarkets until they start putting out bland or bad beers I'm still a fan job done um Hobzine at Hobzine, um, I think left-handed giant taking on the Rainbow Project was the shot in the arm that it needed. It had become stale and everything was becoming mostly sour and farmhouse in style. Which is fairly much what um, being Normicon said, wasn't yeah. it? For the last yeah. box. And we said that they didn't seem that infused about any of the beers. But interestingly, in, the, in one of their recent cult confessions, Tom was then bitching about how it's all going to be juice. Which is what we said as well. Yeah, well, we, yeah. So it's, so it's, again, the, the the breweries that are part of what will become part of the new Rainbow Project, if they all go to type and do what they're known for, then yes, it's going to be you, juice. Then you're going to get a lot of juice. Yeah. So, but then again, if you go back to the Beanomicon episode where they went back over the history of the Rainbow Project, I never knew that the first year of the Rainbow Project was all about IPAs. I never knew that, and if I had known that, I probably would have got involved at that point. Yeah, but because it was about brewing seven different IPAs that reflected the colours of the rainbow. Yeah, but it was very early on in our respective beer journeys. We yeah. probably bypassed us completely. I, th- I think so. Yeah. Um, Dan at DC Craft Feed, just listening to Beer O'Clock Show, and they're saying the exact same thing as I regarding the new lineup of the Rainbow Project. Very much hazy, hot forward brewers. I'm hoping for some collabs with real old school old school brewers, traditional German, Belgian brewers, etc. Would be a really exciting lineup. I think he's right. I think change I think, it up. I think we said. I think it's really nice that Siren have said, take it over, 
It's not our ball. We'll give it away. Play with it. What I don't want him to do is just go, okay. And I think I said at the time, the Wylam Northern Powerhouse yeah. was probably five out, of six, five out of seven of those, five out of eight was juice bombs. I do not need another juice bomb series. No, but, and I think we're going to get to, it seems as though we're moving to a point where, and again, I think this was on the Beer Nomicon Cold Confession where Tom was bitching about the new Rainbow Project being very Southern-centric. And I actually went back on Twitter and said to him, but yeah, why would the Northern breweries get involved when you've now got the Northern Powerhouse? Yeah. It's, it's like you've now got these two collaborative series that are essentially drawing a line across the UK. Yeah, but if they do exactly the same thing, there's no point in drawing the line. No, no, because it's, why do we want to drink the same beer? It, yeah, exactly. So over and over again. By all means, Innovate. by all means, have that style yeah. of beer in there. But give me something to compare and contrast against it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all I'm after. Without a doubt, and I completely agree with what you're saying. And it would be great to see that new Rainbow Project matched against European breweries. Yeah, and I would, so I would go, I would say, well, uh, it's come there about saying, getting some Belgium and German, German breweries in there and just to mix it up, balance it off. I think that could be quite a good way to do it. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mark at Kelfired, we all have our triggers and Tesco's is definitely one of mine. He really doesn't make us saying Tesco's, does he? No. It's no. Tesco's though, isn't it? Tesco's Tesco's Sainsbury's Asda's Asda's Morrison's they've all got S's they've on all got S's yeah um, another top show this week thanks thanks for that Mark we appreciate that uh, must agree about when a beer's recipe changes strikes me as cynically using existing brand recognition to sell a new beer entirely probably lends itself a little bit to the Axage yeah discussion that we I mean I, I will try another Axage but I'm not sure there's much point in me comparing it to the other the last bottle I may have lurking around in the cupboard I probably just need to go to Buxton. Probably and just try it fresh from the tap house. Yeah, yeah, and find out what it's like. Yeah, um, and then we, um, we we kind of one of the questions, one of Paul's questions that we had on the last show was about who would we have a beer with, and we kind of fired that back at him and others to yes. share who they'd have a beer with. So Paul came back and said, "Really good listen. Need to get some Cheshire Brew beers by the sound of it, which I believe Paul has now done, and he's currently checking them in on tap. Yeah, so, good man. Um, answer to my question, and I'm going with Id- Idris Elba, and would take him to the Pembury Tavern and buy him a Warhaway Porter. Good choice, good choice, and good choice. Yeah. Uh, and again, a couple of others. Toy House Brew at Toy House Brew. Piers Morgan with a pint of Tiny Rebel Bruco infamous snake venom, please. Is that because he's hoping that the snake venom is actually real snake venom? I think so. And Guzzler at Lagging Boat. In answer to your question, it will be Gaza and a can of beer from Wyland Brewery. <laughs> Perfect. And then just to finish on the Northern theme, I um, absolutely love this week's show, lads. Uh, lovely to finish with a proper Geordie anthem too. Hurrah. And that was from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. Now, I didn't realise when I chose the, uh, the the closing song for last the last show that it was the uh, the, the tune that apparently Newcastle United come out to. Did so you I, not? No, no, I didn't. I just... I just oh, actually, it. why did I say that so surprised? I, I went for the name of the track. Why did I... Uh, see, I, I can't believe I actually just said, did you not? No. I should know that better. Y- you should, yeah. Um, and I think, with the exception of 
a rather unusual piece of feedback that we've had this week. That's that's it. So yeah, so you actually had a message on Untapped. Yeah, now, which I didn't realise was a thing. So you can now message on Untapped. So people who your your who are your friends, you can send a message to. Yeah. And yeah, I'd forgot I'd forgotten as well. I think it came up on one of their news things. So um, Ian Hay um, came back to me after the Sour episode. Hi, mate. Just want to say I had a long day yesterday driving from Northumberland to Oxford and then back after a day's work. Sounds like a long drive, actually. That's a hell of a drive. That's a long day. Yeah. Um, caught up on the last few podcasts, made the journey go quick. Thumbs up emoji. Sour beer journey episode was excellent. I think a lot of people enjoyed that episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly enjoyed taking so you on that journey. Like everybody journey. bar me enjoyed that yeah. episode. And uh, don't forget, we are going to do the, the version two next year. Yeah, maybe. Um, and I just said, thanks for, thanks for the feedback, Bittering Lingers. Glad to have helped you out. So yeah, no, thank you very much. And um, well, you can get in contact in many ways and this is just another way to get in contact with us. It is, yeah. So yeah. if you are friends with either us on Untapped, do use the messaging, but I will apologise, and I'll apologise on behalf of Steve in case we don't reply quite so quickly as we're just not used to it. Yeah, we, we, we do try and pick up messages from everywhere Yeah, to, to feature on the we show. get the odd ones on Facebook as well, don't we? We, we do, not, but obviously our our, our, our favoured medium is Twitter. Our that, that, That's, that's our where MO we do our Twitter, thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's where people can chat to us. That's where people get involved. Um, less so on Facebook, even less so on Untapped. Never yeah. even realised that was a thing. We've got one more thing here, which is um, a DM that came in yeah. uh, uh, about the shows, but then offered us something as yeah. well. So this is from um, Real Alien Events. So they got in contact with us very recently. Um, obviously complimented Steve and I on the podcast. Why wouldn't you? So thank you very much for that. Um there's a events company called Relay Events in Liverpool. I haven't heard of them. I haven't. First time I've come across them. Yeah. We host beer festivals and the old gin party across the northwest. We are currently planning our next festival in St. George's Hall, Liverpool, and we're wondering if you'd like to come up. And also, they've offered us um, a couple of tickets for listeners as well. I have. Yeah, so it's a bit of a giveaway. So this is a giveaway. So, um, obviously, this is based in Liverpool. It takes place the last week end of January going into February, so thirty first, first, first January, first of Feb. Yeah, effectively, isn't it? I think you're you're, you're going to try and go up to it as well. Aren't yeah. You? So um, uh, Michelle and myself are going to try and go there because um, I can go en route via my parents. Um, but as we have a giveaway, we're not going to just give them away, are we? That'd be far too easy. Wouldn't far it? too easy. Yeah. So we're not going to make it too much hard work. However. There is a question. So we racked our brains about a Liverpool-type question, and I was going, oh, I want to make it really difficult. And Steve said no. Well, yeah, you don't want to make it too difficult, because it, essentially in this day and age, any question you are you can ask, you can find the answer to on Google. Yeah, the answer is Google it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, so basically what we want is uh, people to DM us. So if you put it publicly on Twitter, you may well have the right answer, but you're not in with a shout at getting tickets. We're, we're ignoring any public answers. Yeah. So th- these have got to come via DM. DM to the Beer O'Clock Show. Um, and the question is, which park separates Liverpool Football Club and Everton Football Club in Liverpool? Just give us the answer. Yeah, so answers in by the 18th of November. We will 
every answer drawn in into the hat we should draw it out craft beer hour style might not be as exciting as the craft beer hour jenny mold so and we'll obviously then announce that just before that next show that we record yeah exactly which we haven't told you about yet no we're getting to that it's we, we're getting there yeah there's a lot coming up actually <laughs> there, is a, there is still a lot coming up but before we get to there the fuller's reserve Steve. it's ridiculously drinkable yeah it's just um are you getting like oh well for me i'm starting to get sort of like fruity notes now as well you know they said about the christmas cake i'm starting to get that sort of winter fruits yeah see if i compare this to the harvest ale okay both 2015 there or thereabouts one was like three two percent higher than the other the reserve is so much better more rounded it's so much smoother it's easier to drink it's a lot lighter to drink as well um the flavors in there are just the, the flavors are really intense yeah i can't i can't really put words to how intense the flavors yeah. are in that i mean i'm i'm gonna say right now i think i think i've got one or maybe two of these because it's quite light as well, I'm not sure how much more this has got to go. Although, I I'm do... Not, I'm not sure it's going to go any further than, than where it's at now. Because it's not bottle conditioned, is it? No. I, mean, I can't... I'm not sure what... It's not like your vintage owls that no. are going to change year on year. No, this is... For me, this feels like it's sort of there. I, I, I think you could drink one of these in a year's time and it'll taste exactly the same as it does now. You're being able to stay. Yeah. I, th- I think it's hit its plateau. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah, it's it is it is gorgeous. And on that note, let's dive into some questions of the week. Questions, questions, fill my head. So, which we normally call Paul's questions of the week, but since Paul stopped asking questions, it's now just questions of the week. Um, so, first up from Rob's Beer Odyssey at Rob's Beer Odyssey. Is it a train beer if you bought it with you or only if you bought it en route to the train? As long as you drink it's, it on... It's essentially, when is a train beer a train beer? As long as you drink it on the train. So, so regardless of where you got the beer from... It's a train beer. If you're on the train drinking it... It's a train beer. It's a train beer, okay. Actually, it's a, plat- a platform beer as a train beer as well. Oh, is it? Try that, it's a platform beer. No, it's a train beer. It's a completely different beer because you're not on the train at the time that you're drinking it. But you're only on the platform for one reason, to get a train. Well, you might be meeting someone from the train. What, drinking a beer? Yeah, while you're waiting for them. <laughs> well, I suppose on our line that could be quite possible. Y- y- you never know. You could drink quite a lot of beer yeah. waiting for one of our trains. And then um, from Adam Nicholson at Adam Nitch, talking of Axe Edge, which we've done quite a lot of tonight. <laughs> um, did you ever have Ace Edge, which was the Sriracha Ace version? And what did you think of that out of interest? Same question to mine. Did, did you ever race it? I did. I, I, I did actually research this question. Me too, actually. Uh, because I was curious to find out if I did. I, I, yeah. was, I was quite confident I had. And um, I had it in February 2016 as part of a beer bods case and 2017 as part of an Ibria discovery case. And both times I gave it a 3.75 out of 5, which was never as good as Axe Edge then, but it's better than Axe Edge now. Um, I enjoyed it. I think from what I recall um, the initial comments to be honest I never really mentioned the Sriracha yeah I'm with you on that I had I went back to Untapped to find my one check-in 
to Aceage, um, which directed me to Instagram because this was back in the day where I used to do a review on Instagram and then I'd put a link to Instagram on Untapped. Um, and I gave it four out of five. Okay, so what was your what's your average Axedge score then? Five out of five. Okay. Um, and I said it's maybe a little harsher finish than the original, but still a stunning IPA. And I'm just wondering if that harsher comment was around the, the Sriracha. Because I really didn't realise 2014 was two years into my beer journey. Yeah, you probably would have picked it out quite so, so much. Yeah. But I, I, I just have it in my head about, I, my, I had it much more recent than that, about I still enjoyed it. There was still just something not quite there, but yeah, 3.75 is still a good score. It's still, still a good beer, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, as you said, in comparison to the modern day Axe yeah, maybe not so much. Maybe Sriracha has to be rubbish now. Who knows? Who knows? So we're on to our... Uh, our last beer. Final beer, which is the Good King Henry Special Reserve. So this came right from the back of your cellar, didn't it? it? It did. This was tucked away at the back. It's a tiny bottle again. So you could quite easily miss it. Yep. Um, Looks delightful in the glass. 11%. Let's, uh, let's give this a try. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that nose. That's like melted dark chocolate. With just a little bit of vanilla ice cream on the side. Oh my. I mean, how do they make it this smooth? I don't think they do. I think they make it and then they put it in a bottle and then magic happens. To be honest, I love it when the magic happens. The, the magic is brilliant. Oh. Um, well... Okay, sorry, Mammoth Show, but you lot did complain it was a bit short last two yeah, times. Yeah, so. and um, this was kind of a thing that we wanted to do in terms of... Oh, actually, so it's Roland's fault. Yeah, are these... So, going back to that original question... Okay, so revered beers versus uh, cellared beers versus lines beers, yeah. so... Versus, beers are they any like? good? Okay, so I think we can... We sort of both agree on the J.W. Lee's Harvest. Universally loved, in definitely in the U.S. as far as we know. Yeah, but an outlier for us. Definitely an outlier in, for in us. In terms of the rest of the beers we've done. And on the version we had before. Yeah. Um, Jester King, as a brewery, definitely revered. And if that was your first introduction to Farmhouse Ale, you'd definitely go for it. Um... Days of Creation. I'm still not sure it gets quite enough love as it should do that, and love and love of the ruins as well. Yeah, I think um, I think Thornbridge probably undervalue how good those beers yeah. are as well. Yeah, um, they should shout more about them. Oh, definitely. That's said that that deserves a seven fifty bottle. Yeah, uh, the foot the Fuller's Reserve. I think both you and I love that, and are disappointed there isn't a number six coming up. Yeah, I want to see a number six. How I have to admit though, the Good King Henry, which is when these beers do get released, there is a massive clamour for them. I've only gone for the clamour once, and I think this was one of those ones I went for. They're not easy to get hold of. They're not. They're, this this one and there's a there's a barley wine yep. I do that I've got a, I've got a bottle of that. 
that's appearing in my 12 beers of Christmas this year as well. So in answer to the question, I'm not sure where I see it actually, because I think there's a difference between revered beers, revered breweries and good beers. I think there is, because I suppose it, it, it balances out against that. Would you want to drink these beers every night for the rest of your life? No. No. These are the sorts of beers that you want to have on occasions, for a reason. Oh, these would all be candidates for 12 beers of Christmas. Or just because you fancy a really yeah. nice beer from your cellar, which is why you've tucked these away in the yeah. cellar. Yeah, I would go with that. Like I said, they'd all be recommendations for your 12 beers, wouldn't they? So, uh, what well, we forgot the Hinterland, actually, which I actually thought was really good. Your Brewdog Hinterland. It was. It, it's. I've enjoyed the, enjoyed the journey that I've had on that over three years, and it has just, again, it's got better again this year. It's just continued to get better and better and better every time I've had it. It's just one of those things that every now and again you go, oh, this is what they can do. Yeah. Do that more. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I, we would love to hear what your revered beers are. Yeah. As, as, as well. Use revered the hashtag, beers, revered breweries, let us know. Yeah. Use the hashtag opinions, let us know, and you'll feature in Bitter and Linganish. Possibly at some point, because the remainder of our year is a little bit busy, isn't it? It is a bit busy. But quite exciting, Steve. It's very exciting. Um, so what's up first? So next up, our next show, we have been invited to a celebration on International Stout Day. Now, if you were going to be invited somewhere on International Stout Day... Where would you want to go? Where do you think you'd be invited to? I'm going to go Dublin. We have been invited to Dublin. Get in. We are going to Guinness and we are going to enjoy the celebrations of International Stout Day with Guinness. Um, but following that, we are going to be recording a very special show with Guinness yep. and the Open Gate Brewery around essentially what they do. Yeah, which I'm really looking forward to because they, they said we've got bit of an access all areas yep. ask a few questions and just the thought that we can just go round the inner workings of guinness yeah i can't wait i'm really excited and we're going to extend that opportunity to the listeners as we always do if you've got any questions that you would like to ask to we're not sure who we're meeting yet no um there's been a suggestion of this and it sounds like something that comes from a star wars movie archivists <laughs> that, that they've said we may meet that would be fascinating though wouldn't it yeah if they've got if they've got the access to all the paperwork of the old recipes and stuff yeah and so, so it's like those uh, history documentaries where they had to put white gloves on to turn the pages oh I want to see that I want to see that all those uh, things where they have those great big you have to turn the wheels to open the whole yeah. doors Boom. oh yeah. that'd be brilliant so if, if you want to ask a question for our next show when we're recording at Guinness the Open Gate Brewery um, let us know use the hashtag opinions we'll find it after that we are bringing you this quarter's opinions on films which is a bit of a something special for you isn't it yeah. oh yes it's Bond we're, we're finally entering 
Bond. Get in. Um, so we will be doing the uh, Spy Who Loved Me, which personally I think is one of the best Bond films ever and uh, Roger Moore's best outing as Bond. And if you'd like to uh, argue with Martin about that, feel free to do so. Yep. Um, after that, the next show we'll be doing after that is... Um, it's going to be the post-Crimbo Cruel show in Bristol. So we'll be recording <laughs> it in Bristol the morning after the Crimbo Cruel. And we're actually doing that as a collaboration podcast with Beers Without Frontiers. Yes. As, as well. So that should be a lot of fun. <laughs> It should be interesting as ever, yep. depending on how Saturday went. Let's just hope we remember every pub we went to this year. No guarantees. No guarantees. And then to finish off uh, 2018, we'll be doing our normal end of year show, where we'll be drinking last year's Fuller's Vintage Ale, as we always do a year on. Um, also planning to do the series of Fuller's Marble... Gals reproductions. Oh, the prize old ales. Yep. Yep. So we'll be doing those as well. And we'll be, maybe rather than doing an entire Golden Pints, we might just be picking out. A few select. Yeah, beer of the year, brewery of the year, that that, that sort of thing. So that's. Podcast podcast of the year. Who knows who might win that one? Yeah, we think we're up there. (laughs) Without a doubt. So so that's that's still to come this year. Got a bit of variety Um, there. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be. Interesting. I mean, I'm very excited about the Guinness thing. I have to admit, I'm I'm really excited about. Um, I've been because you haven't been to the Open Gate Brewery, have you? I've, I've not. Um, we, we've been I, to I, Guinness, I, haven't we? Yeah, but I've been to the Open Gate Brewery. Oh, I see. I've not been there, and it's quite. They 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 serve some quite select beers, yeah, don't they? I've been I've been there. Very small batch stuff as well. Because when me and my mates go away once a year, we went to Dublin. I said, "Well, let's go to the Open Gate Brewery." Basically, all about me. Let's go there. Yeah. And we had two hours of drinking dark beers, which most of my friends didn't like, so I drank twice as many dark yeah. beers. Loved it. It's a really nice space. Really nice space. But let's, let's just say the internet International Stout Day thing isn't just... It's not just Guinness. It's not just Guinness. It's beers from all over the world yeah. that have been brewed for that event to be held at that brewery on that night. And let's face it, Fairly much guaranteed we're going to bump into the beer snobs at some point. Oh, I think there's going to be some snobbage going on. Yeah, which is going to involve a late night. Or two. Yes. <laughs> on that note. And on that note, I think we are probably done. I here, think we are done. Um, tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure going through these beers. It's been lovely. And this good King Henry, good way to say goodnight. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.